the thing with Buddhism is that it says there is no kingdom. There is no salvation. There is none of this stuff. The only thing that you can do is you can somehow learn to cessate the fire that burns through you that drives you towards contributing towards samsara like a large part of you is made up of energy and the forces of the instincts that create samsara that create hell like you are the demon in this world yes you're the torturing soul you're evil in that type of sense and if you want to fix the world if you want to make the world a better place you need to detach cessate liberate and let yourself let go of the whole thing and kind of step outside of it. What's going on, everybody? In this episode, we have Uber Boyo for the third time on the podcast. You know, you know, as they say, third time's a charm. Now, I've always enjoyed our conversations in the past, and I think this time around, we definitely went a bit deeper, especially when talking about, you know, Christianity. I think at the start, we were talking about the evolution of music and heavy metal, and then that naturally led into Satanism <laughs> and what that is about, and just the archetype of satan christianity and also the anti-christian behavior that's going on in pop culture right now which is very very interesting even like psychologically speaking and then we ended up going into islam religion jung of course and we ended off with nihilism and nietzsche and we're planning to continue our conversation about nihilism next time but this episode is definitely a good prelude to that so yeah i'm sure you guys are gonna love it i know that you guys love when uber Boy comes on the channel he has some very interesting insights and yeah I, like i feel like kind of jamming out with him you know we can go really heavy on these subject matters but also have a laugh about it you know what i mean like not take ourselves too seriously and that's why i enjoy talking to people like him and yeah definitely check out his channel and if you, if you enjoy this podcast, you can go to iTunes and Spotify as well. Give us a review, leave a like, subscribe, share it with a mate. And of course, this podcast is completely sponsored by you guys over at patreon.com slash You guys make this all possible. And I truly appreciate it because when I'm able to do this fan funded, I don't have to worry about sponsors and I can just freely and authentically speak whatever I want to speak about. You know what I mean? Without having to avoid certain subject matters so a huge thanks to all our legends over at patreon especially our top patrons which you can see on the screen right now but yeah that's it guys enjoy the podcast and i'll catch you guys next time peace I got it, Zoom. Thank you, Zoom. Thank you for the alerts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank- Good to know, Zoom. Uh, no, nah, but I, I used to play as a kid, and I'm very grateful for it. But I think as a kid, I didn't like classical music, so it was like it was like a chore going to those lessons. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it's always a problem because as I've gotten older, I've grown to ap- appreciate the grandeur um, of the classical pieces more and more and more but as a kid i was the same i learned a bit of piano and uh, i was always sitting there and being like what the hell is this stuff and like why why am i learning why am i learning like uh what was the songs at the time i was listening to like busted year 3000 and stuff like this and uh <laughs> what's that and i've been to the year 3000 <laughs> it's like pop punk that type of stuff All green right. day was another one green um, day was actually one of the first ones i learned Oh, oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! An American yeah. idiot, digga digga and digga digga and digga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how do I play that on piano? She's like, shut the teacher's like, shut the fuck up! What are you doing, you little rascal? <laughs> on holiday, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On holiday, yeah. Uh, I used to 
like if my teacher taught me like video game music mate i would have never have stopped. oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but then, then I got into like guitar, you know, rock, Chili Peppers, uh, Green Day, and then Metallica. It was more when metal came into my life when that fire came alive, you know. Yeah, like yeah. Metallica, I was um, Trivium, Pantera, Machine Head, all these guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was a big fan of uh, Chili Peppers. I never actually fully went tilt into metal, though. I was always able to like, you know, sort of a an, a distant um, metalhead because I'd listen to uh, the likes of Pantera and all that and Trivium, and I could um, really get into it. I could be like, wow, this stuff is so. Uh, it, it brings an energy. Like, there's nothing like metal on this fucking earth. There's so, like it's so fucking crazy. I it's, know. I, I don't. Especially something like Trivium, you know, they got like the the harmonies, the melody, the song structure. It's very complex. It's actually very, I find that heavy metal music, it has a lot of roots in classical music. So, because when I went back to classical music, I'm like, oh yeah, I can, I'm I'm glad, I'm very grateful that I learned piano young because I got my, you know, my finger dexterity up and I understood music theory and all that kind of stuff. So I was, dude, so grateful. And then I went back to piano kind of a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, but metal is... Metal is an incredible genre because I guess the way I understand um, music history is you have basically Irish folk or you could say Irish English folk in America and then you have blues, like basically black blues music or I think it was called ragtime back then. And they sort of merged to form into rock and roll. And then um, that becomes like the likes of Elvis and the Beatles and yes. the 60s and all that stuff. And then towards the end of that, what happens is that the blues begins to get sheared out. The the um like you could even say the black influence, but it's not it wasn't necessarily seen that way. But the sort of blues harmonies and the blues rhythms and, and all that stuff begins to get sheared out. And what happens is um the music be- and, and of course the uh, the folk side of it, it gets sheared out as well. And what sort of happens is there's this um takeoff towards uh like Black Sabbath where they make a, a, a an album that's almost exclusively a new thing. It's like rock exclusively and it's yeah. actually got quite a lot of satanism in it and stuff like this like satanic oh, yeah. influences <laughs> and um and then that evolves into the 70s and the 80s where you basically get uh the likes of i think they're called judas priest what a, what a fucking yeah name. dude J- judas priest and i i think they're uh very and there's and a, Rob lot, Hadford, a lot of and he was gay as well that was like so mind-blowing at that time yeah you yeah. Know? yeah yeah and people yeah. loved him you know <laughs> And it, it started to get like, for example, Led Zeppelin brought in the whole mythology and bringing in Lord yes. of the Rings and all this type of stuff. And then um, Metal, Iron Maiden, the, Iron Maiden, they're the ones I was thinking of. Yeah. And it begins to form into this own genre where it stands sounding like nothing else. It's sort of space aged and like this very neo kind of crazy thing. And then, of course, it does begin to call back to classical music because classical music is like very, very kind of in its own way, very kind of space aged and alien or something like this. Sorry, excuse me, my bastards. Yeah, <laughs> this is Felix. Say hi, everybody. This is Felix. All right, mate. All right, Felix. What's going on, mate? Blue... <laughs> yeah. Dodgy cat. He is. He is a sneaky bastard. Just yeah, so, um, those kangaroos, mate. They're up to yeah, no good. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, man. He's a he's a kangaroo. He's a kangaroo spy. I bet you he's like a, a cat in a suit. He's actually a giant <laughs> kangaroo underneath it. Tom, I have you, man. I have you, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the sort of evolution of that stuff I find fascinating and uh, just kind of looking at where it goes. And yeah, it's just pretty cool stuff. Definitely. And, you know, I kind of went down here, like, obviously it depends on your taste in music, but then grunge came in in the 90s and then yeah. metal started to go down. Because I was like a purist growing up, so I was like 24-7, just metal. And if it doesn't have guitar solos, it's not metal. You know, I was like <laughs> that kind of guy. 
Um, yeah, it's it, yeah. I, I I even find that side of things really really funny in the sense of like uh like us millennials will sit down and I I like I've been through that stage. You know, you become a classic rock purist or a classic yeah. metal purist. Yeah, and it's like forty years after the whole scene happened, and then we're just sitting there, it's like a oh, fucking grunge disgusting. Yeah. Just, yeah. That was a down music metal. Yeah, I still have like a negative connotation to grunge now, just because yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, like tapping yeah. back to my my teenage self. Uh, now you know I love pretty much all genres of music yeah. as if it's good it's good you know like i think and then with metal i think like trivium bullet for my valentine like that sort of generation they kind of brought it back and then now i yes. find that like me and my friend will talk about this all the time i feel like metal has died man like i don't i can't even tell you the last new metal band that has changed the world like a you know big name <laughs> you know? like yeah. a pantera or metallica or a trivium you know yeah um it's it's actually a really cool conversation like it's something I, I've, I've always wanted to sit down and do on the channel i just kind of never bothered to do it but um this the, the story of music like is it's, it's incredible watching how history and all that stuff changes by looking through music because for example that transition into grunge in the 90s came with this massive cultural transition there's a lot of things going on alongside of that that were pretty pretty huge deal and um, you could look at it like uh, the sort of baby boomers in the 60s come up with, like they're like the first generation to never have to fight a war, have absolute utter abundance and be like a massive middle class. And then out of that comes basically hippie music, which is that they're all getting fucked out of their minds on drugs and they're just fucking the shit out of each other um, and like sexually. And then yes. they're all just listening. They're sexually, just like, like I had to put that in there. <laughs> the, word, the word fuck is just so dynamic. Like, I know. Mean anything. It's beautiful. Because if actually, you know, when I have like foreigners, like, you know, uh, South Americans come to Australia and they learn the English language, they find the word fuck. So like, wow, this is like the most diverse word in the universe. Like, you can just use it for anything. You know, there's a video on yeah. Osho breaking down on how many different ways you can use fuck you know it's amazing to check it it's out amazing. i hear that a lot a lot of people um yeah because you, you wouldn't realize it being like native um uh, maybe you just because of the chichilian side of things that you'd maybe have a bit of a sus but um i wouldn't notice it at all and then i think there was like a, a german girl i was talking to and she's like yeah like english the word fuck is incredible i'm like what <laughs> And is this is this girl coming on to me? Like, what's happening here? It's like, it's just so powerful. You can do so much with it. I love it. You know, I love it. And you're like, all right, all right, all right, fair enough. Yeah. Um. So uh, the cat, the cat's doing its rounds again. Love, yeah. love that place. So Felix. Felix, Felix take gonna... so Tom's seat. We'll talk about metal. How about Maybe that? actually, I'll just put the keyboard away so that way you can step on whatever. Oh, it's playing so piano now. Ask the stuff. <laughs> Play some <Boo>! trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm turning this off. But yeah, uh, 100%, there was a, uh, like looking at that sort of epoch of music history. And as I said, the boomers come in and they have the free love and the free sex and all this type of stuff. And, and the music is actually quite upbeat and all these type of things. And then as that begins to turn into the 70s, it starts to become more and more you could call it decadent like baroque it's uh, like for mm. example the 70s rock was very ascendant and crazy and um and then you have the 80s which is just absolute like the 80s is just so funny man looking back at the 80s looking at like guns and roses are just like <laughs> yeah. a case study in what the fuck is going on look at like look at slash look at the way they dress look at the way they acted look at the way they behaved and then no, yeah, I, I think my very like theatrical from, you know like big just 100. yeah yeah and the hair man the hair like la it's just la 
decadence and, and all this type of stuff. I think my favorite one of all has to be uh, Motley Crue. Um, they, and you like look at these guys they're they're just uh, they have a song where it's like it just starts off I, apparently I think it's called Kickstart My Heart and the guy who uh, wrote the song was the bass player I think and he had a heart attack because he was taking so much heroin and then they like gave him CPR and he woke up out of that and then he wrote the song Kickstart My Heart and it starts off something like when I get high I get high on speed <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. speed was big in the 80s eh hundred percent. Oh, I didn't. I didn't live through that eighties, but that's what that's what I hear anyway. And and what what I find like so interesting is then the turn of the culture after the eighties and like you know songs like Motley Crue is that you get grunge and grunge is like super depressed, super slow, yeah. super down to earth, super. I hate my father. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like the, the, the like nihilistic, kind of, very nihilistic, very nihilistic. I feel. And the icon of grunge, he doesn't die of a drug overdose or like he doesn't die like fucking 27 prostitutes as strippers after a show or something like that. Instead, he dies by killing himself. Yeah, dude. And he used a shotgun, didn't he? Uh, Yeah, man. Well, yeah. yeah. Some say he was helped, but I'm not going to talk about that today. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to shut the window for a sec. All good, man. All good. Yeah. And I, I feel like, but then where I feel like where metal went too far is like when it went too much into like the black metal death metal and it get it got too absurd you know what i mean like too too dark where it became almost comical you know like pig squealed <laughs> you know oh what's that uh have you heard of that black metal band mayhem and what they so i have not no have so not. the this the lead singer this was back in the day he killed himself in his hotel room and then the band rocked up at the hotel room and before calling the cops they took photos of it and then they used that photo as the the next album oh, cover other oh, yeah. yeah yeah it's like all right that's a little bit too far uh yeah, but these days was- yeah like i i love i always appreciate metal but i feel like these days i'm just a little bit more conscious of the lyrics that they say is all i guess i'm turning yeah. into a bit of a prude but at the same time it does because even as a kid listening to that 24 7 for sure i was a really angry kid man like for real like i was always like angry and depressed and had like these like almost demonic thoughts and i'm not even just blaming it just on the metal music that's definitely one factor of it you know drugs and all this kind of stuff but it definitely affects your subconscious a hundred percent think so and there's weird stuff about this like the more you look into this the more you explore this realm of things and i think music history is fascinating and it's not all i'm not trying to say it's all a conspiracy but there's a very interesting project out there called project often i think it is project i'll try look it up project um often project what's it called project mk often uh the goal was to test that's yeah all right this is fucked up right project mk often was a covert u.s department defense program developed in conjunction with the cia um, in 1966 uh, in parallel with mk ultra to test the behavioral and toxicological effects of certain drugs on animals and humans and some side effects was to explore the realm of black magic and um, the cea visited we recruited mm. fortune tellers palm readers clairvoyant astrologists medium psychics and all this type of stuff and these guys worked with a lot of musicians apparently in order to um in order to experiment with uh like certain types of music and and like uh, see what it's like to introduce darkness into music and what type of effect it would have in the mind and all these types of things i I think they might have worked with uh 
I can't remember where I, 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 I can't remember the exact details. So like, look, guys, you're going to have to look this stuff out yourself. But I'm pretty sure they looked at some of those early metal bands. Like 1966 was around about that turning point where you're seeing uh, the likes of very dark Black Sabbath come up and stuff like yeah. this. And, and, uh, like Slayer, that... do you reckon were into it? Maybe, pretty, maybe. That's pretty I, satanic. <laughs> I, I don't know at all, but that was the sort of rise of satanic music. Like before that, you didn't do that. Wow. You know, like there was there was no ascendancy of uh, it was the 60s where a lot of this stuff started to come from. You had the free love movement and like think about the Beatles, you know, love, 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 love. And then out of that comes the sort of Jungian opposite where you have uh, basically like Satan, 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 Satan. Yeah. And, and all this like crazy shit. Pop and up. it's cool when you're an angry teenager. You're like, yeah, fuck you, man. You yeah. And the it's devil thought. It's, it's super edgy yeah, yeah, as well. Yeah. Like there's, um, there's a, it's weird. I don't know how to describe this because I have a song that I put up. I think it's called, I fucking forget the name of it, Black Soul or something like this. And it was um, me actually like kind of grabbing onto that type of energy because I kind of know that, like when you're listening to that, there's an energy you're getting into. It's an edgy, dangerous. It feels like, you know, you're sort of Denny's end of the dark world or something like that. Mm. And I remember making the song um, and it was like I was sort of, you think of it in a Jungian sense, uh, thinking about the shadow. And I recommend people check it out because it's weird. I made that song and it didn't feel like I made the song. Once it was done, it's different than other things I've done where I've, I felt like I created it. It was like a thing living by itself. And I listened back over to it and i'm kind of thinking to myself i don't know bro like that kind of feels like something that it's own thing and the lyrics are really really like dark and intense and all this type of stuff and you really you really just wonder sometimes you're kind of thinking to yourself like are, are you giving birth to the spirit or something like that becoming a vessel for something more dangerous or something like that and maybe that's what a lot of this music was doing like it's it's hard to know so or even like a lot of gangster rap man like it's like yeah when you really absorb the lyrics it's like whoa this is horrible like it's, it's just interesting how on YouTube, it's so easy to get censored if you say horrible things, but if you say it in the form of music, then it's okay for some reason, you know? You can give Look. Satan a lap dance and, you know, say all this demonic stuff and it will get promoted on the front page. It's, it's actually like it's a crazy. really interesting, really interesting point. Maybe the right brain is able to say things the left brain cannot tolerate. <laughs> so uh, we could go with something like that. Huh. But um, but that is very, very true. Like that, that's, uh, I, I don't know what to make it at. Like it's hard to know what to make it at. Like if you, had your political opinion and made it as a rap song would it get by like maybe probably not yeah right and you would absorb it more because you're you're listening like you said you're activating your right brain so you're absorbing that musical aspect and then so the words are a lot more potent you know those 100%. seeds sprout a lot a lot easier and it's interesting yeah. that you bring this up because yesterday i was watching this i don't even know how you know one of those youtube rabbit holes but there was like this satanist who eventually he converted into catholicism but his story was that he eventually became a like a high wizard or whatever the title was and apparently there's only like less than 10 in the world and he was meeting up with all these rock stars movie stars and doing magical spells and they're you know really involved like whether you believe that or not but i'm like, like i believe that because i've seen i've seen that dark world there's definitely some dodgy shit yeah. going on there I've, I've looked into it loads um like there's there's this stuff is it's so, it's so interesting there's no oh, clear yeah. like for example um led zeppelin i love the band and um, jimmy page was Me a too. huge alistair crowley fan like he literally bought wow. Alistair Crowley's house. Of course house. he was. Yeah. Do what thou wilt. <laughs> and and he, he bought his apartment and used to go in there and do rituals and stuff like this. And, and he was a massive heroin addict and all this type of stuff. So his whole kind of back catalog with Led Zeppelin, like loads of it's involved with that whole magical thing and related to all this. And like, you know, Crowley, like what do you make of him? He's a, he's a fucking whack job in many different oh, ways. Oh, yeah. And at the um, end of his life, didn't he say like, you know, like Satan, get out or some, something like that? Like... That's, that's, sorry, that's, one, that's one of the rumors. I don't know if you, but you know, I feel like if you're going to dedicate your whole life doing 
black magic rituals and worshipping Satan. I just, I can't see how you're going to be in a peaceful psychological state at the end of your life, you know? It's it's a weird one. Like Crowley's a weird one because he's got actually quite a lot of uh, reverie around him. He's got a, quite a lot of uh, a celebration around him. Like magic in general is just such an interesting movement. Yes. Um, but, but Crowley, like you look at him and he kind of made a really big name for himself, but I'm not sure if he was like really that successful. Like he basically had a, he was a trust fund kid that went broke from like experimenting all these like really crazy niche things. He's like this crazy explorer running around Egypt doing all these spells and all this type of stuff. Yeah, um, right. But I, I don't know, like what, what did he exactly pull off? Like, All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've gone through some technical difficulties. So we'll play, playing some, some Zelda tunes as we wait for Uber Boy. Oh, hey, bro. <laughs> Sorry about that, man. Sne again, sneaking I'll... up on me again. <laughs> sneaking up, I was like, again, again. I'll just sit down. I might have a cigarette. Just get, give a bit of a listen here to what we, this this lovely music. So, um, good stuff. Sorry about that, man. I'm pretty sure that was on my end, and okay. the internet kind of is pretty pretty bad. I'm actually in a different spot than I am usually. So, uh, if it kind of glitches, uh, hopefully it'll only glitch for a moment, and we should be good. Um, rocking forward. So, apologies about that, brother. No, all good, man. All good. Uh, so, what we what were we talking about? Alistair Crowley, I'm pretty sure. We're talking about Crowley and magic. So I guess that's that's really kind of the question. What would you like to talk about today? What you want to dive into? Do you want to get into Crowley magic and all that type of stuff? Maybe I can um, I can riff that in relationship to some of the things I know. But uh, yeah, take the lead, man. There, tell me what you think. Uh, we, I think because we you know we started going this route, and this is very interesting. And this has been something I've been watching recently on YouTube about Satanism. And I know there's a lot of different different sects of satanism like there are the more secular ones who at the end of the day it's just about worshiping the self do what thou wilt but then there are the more kind of hardcore ones who do like blood sacrifices and really do worship the supernatural being lucifer so what how, like what yep. do you know what do you know about it oh dear here we go well um <laughs> i guess the the kind of the story with me is that i am um... I, when I was younger, I was exploring like a lot of different stuff. So a lot of people know me because of Carl Jung. And actually, I learned about Carl Jung during a time when I learned about magic, um, chaos magic specifically. And a gentleman called Grant Morrison was one specific uh, example of this. Now, yes, I, um, I researched him as well. Interesting. Yeah, he's, 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 he's a comic book good. guy, right? Is that who? Yeah, he's the comic yeah, book yeah, yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
he wrote Batman and all this type of stuff. It's, it's good. Like, it's really, really good stuff. Um, now, when you, I kind of look into this, what I would describe it as on the simplest level, because a lot of people have misconceptions about magic. You imagine those rituals and all that type of stuff as like being a big deal. It is. Some people actually do genuinely do that. And, and we could talk about that in the context maybe of like, I think actually probably one of the best descriptions of this I've ever heard was by Alex fucking Jones on uh, some podcast with Andrew Schutz, I think his name is. Oh. And basically, Alex Jones was saying that um, the way you could conceptualize, because this is the biggest problem for us moderns, is we can't conceptualize why rituals would happen and what this stuff means. Like, it seems so absurd and stupid and pointless. Like, we're enlightened, you know, we're all enlightened, liberal, post-enlightenment thinkers and all this type of stuff. But Alex Jones was sort of saying it in the context of dimensional theory. So he basically says that uh, um, a very, very, like, a lot of scientists believe this, that we live in a, a universe that has more than... Um, three dimensions so basically there's like one dimension two dimension three dimension this is where me and me and tom are sort of operant in three-dimensional space and then there's a sort of fourth dimension which is the dimension of time and then as you start to go up dimensions there's more complex ways that you can kind of fold reality and change reality and all this and there's this sort of suggestion that there are higher dimensions and there's no reason to assume that there might not be some type of um forces operant in there that are not operant operant in the third dimension like the way when you're on earth it's very obvious that you're walking around and you're dealing with certain forces but when you're up in the air like for example wind or maybe ultraviolet light become an awful lot more serious forces to deal with up there so you have to kind of change the way you orientate yourself up and up in the air it's a different kind of world or when you're in the ocean you know it's a kind of a different yes. world and so um alex jones would sort of suggest that there's a, a fifth dimension or a higher dimensional sphere and uh, it might be attuned to what we could understand as as energy or psychic energy or, or and the kind of electrical bolts that shoot through our bodies in order to kind of get everything sorted out. Maybe you could go down to Tesla and like look into the ether and all these type of things. But we'll kind of leave that aside. I think and um, we'll leave it up to people's imagination to figure out what that might be. But generally speaking, there's these kind of this higher space. There's this like creamy um, top on top of normal reality that has uh, the ability to do things. And um, it's measured with like psyche and it's measured with the uh, you could say the electrical impacts of, of 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 emotions if you want to think about it this way and obviously one of the key emotions is pain and so alex jones um was suggesting that when someone does a, a sacrifice so he kills an animal or a person and um, it's mm. almost like they're going to the edge of the ocean so they're going to the edge of the dimension and they're um you know cutting someone's throat and bleeding a load of blood into the ocean and all these animals in the ocean will begin to taste or smell the blood inside the ocean and go towards it so it's almost like a way like if you wanted to get sharks to come towards you bleed something out of your boat and the sharks will smell the 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 blood and then come towards the boat and this type of thing and so he's sort of suggesting that like sacrifices were along those lines that you could go and sit down at the edge of these dimensions and do certain rituals and it's almost like you're walking at the edge of the third dimension and then the fifth dimension is like the ocean and you're 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 dropping stuff into the ocean and calling things coming and things then show up in this type of regard and of course alex talks an awful lot about the experiments like you know uh, terence mckenna talking about taking a fuckload of dmt and meeting the quote-unquote right. elves when in doubt, like, double the dose. <laughs> <laughs> exactly that type of buzz, and and, and uh, you know he speaks know, like an uh, elf almost. <laughs> well, he's like he's a weird dude, man, because he would say stuff was like, and the mushroom began speaking to me, and I'm not too sure it left me, and all these type of things. Like yeah. you, you wonder how much how much Terence was literally influenced by that type of stuff. But that's 100%. maybe in the... yeah, yeah. Well, that's another topic for another day. <clears throat> we can get into that on another oh, well, party. Uh, yeah. 
and, and this is this is um well maybe we get into this in this one because Terence okay. and Magic like do go together, but nonetheless, True. um one of the big memes is of course the meeting the elves, meeting the entities, and yes. it's cross-analyzed where a lot of people say they meet this. Now maybe it's a cultural artifact we developed, but then you look back through history and you hear like for example an Irish myth, they have the leprechauns, they have the elves, they have the fairies is specifically what we call them, which were synonymous with the gods, and it kind of makes you think. It's like where people all throughout history all over the world and um, doing certain things like getting blasted on certain types of hallucinogens and coming across these entities mm. and are, maybe the entities are a stable reality in in another dimension or something like maybe they actually exist and then the kind of question about stuff like ritual is that the, they would be processes or procedures to tell people maybe how to come in contact with these experiences and we don't know what these experiences are <clears throat> it's not out of this world to assume that maybe they they there is something to them like the, the elf thing is like a great example and so one ritual if you want to meet something quite weird is like you know grind up a certain tree and then um, boil it with a certain other leaf and then you get dmt ayahuasca and then boom you might meet the elves that way and then another one is um maybe, witchcraft maybe there's something to... it sounds like witchcraft to me i've, I've done so this the... stuff so like I, I i understand it but that's why i don't, I don't yeah, really well... play with it anymore and, and this is the kind of thing is that it's um like, I think, yes, I think that's like, oh, that's baking, like, you know, boiling stuff in a cauldron to make shadows and, and entities and, and God knows oh, what. Yeah. Here. In, invoking spirits and, you know, doing deals and here, I'll give you this sacrifice, whatever yeah. it is. And yeah. And, and, and then you think about the sacrifice question is that like, like, it's, it's hard to know, but like, if you want to, maybe there's a ritual there that actually works where if you want to talk to these guys like aside from using drugs or maybe in combination with drugs, you can do certain things like give them one of your best animals. And then yeah. they'll take that as a, a description of fidelity towards them or something like this. And, and, and maybe that's there and maybe that's possible. And, and so I think when you start looking into magic with this perspective, you start to see an awful lot of that stuff makes sense. Then the chaos magicians and all these guys, the modern magicians, if you will, and they would actually brush a lot of that stuff aside because it's just too outside the modern paradigm. Some of them would explore it, but the main thing that they would talk about is the power of words and the power of conceptual stuff and the power of, uh, you could say, the imagination, which is actually probably one of magic's most interesting sides. Alan Moore, the guy who wrote... um, Viva Vendetta, the guy who wrote The Watchman, he was a magician and he would describe um, the actual art of storytelling as the art of magic. He would say that the, the like he has all sorts of interesting ones. For example, the, the, the word grimoire is the word grammar. To cast a spell is to spell out a word. To write, to create, to, to, um, to put in information into someone's mind and evoke their imagination is some type of magical power. Like you can change the world with this. Yeah, and, and 100%. He, he vividly had experiences of, of having this stuff happen. For example, he would um, write out this story about this Guy Fox character in, in a sort of English tr- trilogy where they're fighting against the system and all this type of stuff. And years later, the years after he writes V for Vendetta, um, he's looking on TV and there's a load of people in the anonymous movement showing up dressed like the characters he had mm. in his thing. It, it was literally like he was saying, I wrote this spell and years later, it actually came true. It actually was manifest, if you will. Now, that's a very fucking interesting idea because he wrote this story and it, his, 
he created a reality. He changed the world in, in a very little way and not in a necessarily controllable way. I'm not sure he was too happy with the anonymous movement, but he noted that, that it's like, I have the power to actually influence reality by the stories that I tell. And a lot of magicians notice this. They say that this is the kind of crux of it. Like, never mind kind of sacrificing babies or animals uh, at the, the fifth dimensional ocean and talking to the elves and all this. This is probably one of the most interesting parts of it is that you can sit down and create something, create a meme, create a mimetic system, create whatever it is you wish. And it will have this uh, rippling effect into reality and it will actually change and bend the, the world. And if you were to be intentional and create stuff that favored you, maybe it would bend the world in your favor and have some type of influence in that type of regard. Um, and this is where you start getting into the side of magic that's like, I would describe it as very, very pragmatic, down to earth. Um, practical and understandable which is basically like if you want to you can it's actually so similar to the law of attraction people where they sit down and they visualize the reality they want yes. and then it comes true it becomes manifest and the kind of funny thing that's very common with magic is that if you visualize the reality you want you're going to get exactly what you want so be careful because if you ask you know it's like i want to have a 12 inch dick you know just like just be careful because you yeah. might get a 12 inch dick growing out your face or something like that you know uh, magic magic won't give you exactly what you want yeah. it'll give you exactly be, what you ask be careful what you wish for right that's where it careful what you wish for in that type of regard um so when i was looking through it i was going through a lot of that stuff because i was looking into fiction writing and i was looking into this and young would would have been vaguely associated with that like dreams and all these type of things now young yes. young's approach is slightly different young would have an awful lot of uh, conceptual advice for you to submit to your unconscious and your dreams instead of being a willful creator be more submissive to what the dreams tell you but a lot more of the magicians like alan moore grant morrison the chaos magicians even alistair crowley do as thou will visualize a to inject your your reality upon the world and it will have an effect do you think it's a coincidence that people who go like real far into this like satanists they end up looking like villains you know what i mean like it kind of it physically <laughs> changes the structure of their face where if you were to look at it have no idea who they are and you you were to see like they're a character in a movie you'd be like oh yeah that's that's the bad guy kind of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so, so this this is a good question because on uh, on the surface level this this you could say this concept like i have a story about this i when i was trying this and um, i i believe this is real when i was trying this um me too i i was like this is this is i've got to figure out a way like you know let's get scientific about magic here right so i've got to figure out a way to see if this is real or not so what i did is i i i looked up um how to do a sigil so a sigil is basically you um you get a piece of paper you write out uh your 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 wish your desire like law of attraction and then you yes. burn the piece of paper and some people would uh would have a some people would masturbate in order to charge it with psychic energy uh, yes i've heard of that <clears throat> so i, I, I think, said yeah, yeah, right, yeah. go ahead sorry well i, I said I, I would try this and this is kind of dangerous because you're not supposed to tempt the lord let's put it this way but i said i'll, I'll try to see if it's real <laughs> yeah. so i looked up the most most rare type of flower possible and i found out that there's a blue rose and blue roses almost never happen in nature very very rare so i said all right i, I made a sigil which is basically like if magic is real i will get a blue rose and i think i said within the next while or next year or next month or the next day or something like that. i can't remember the actual time thing but something along those lines and so i made the sigil and I did the whole thing and then I burned it and and it was all sorted out and it was cast in and I went around the next day and I went into like a shop and I was like, do you have any blue roses? And they're like, no, what the fuck are you asking for? Get the fuck out. And I was like, all right, maybe it's not real. And then a couple of months down, I forgot about it. And I was like, oh, it's bullshit. All right, fine. Good, good, good stuff. Good stuff. And then I was walking in the shop, a shop that I'd been to hundreds of times. Um, I was walking in the shop then about a couple of months later. 
And um, I'd never been spoken to in that shop once by the staff. They'd never once said anything to me bar at the till when I'm kind of chatting with them. But I was walking in the shop and suddenly I got this big tip on my shoulder. And I was like, what the fuck? So I spun around and it was a staff member. And the staff member was holding a blue fucking rose. And she was like, is this yours? And I'm like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I that's froze. scary, dude. <laughs> I, yeah, man, wow. I was like, what the actual hell? And yeah. I, for a second, I was like, I was like, what, what's going on? But then it clicked. I'm like, man, I was like, what the hell? Maybe there's something to this shit. Oh, my God. Oh, for um, sure. <laughs> Yeah. So after after this, I pondered. After this, I pondered because, like, I don't know, man. It's not. It's rare that there's a blue rose dropped in little somewhere or something like this. Like that's a that's a strange thing, all right. And um, so I started to wonder: is it uh, is there something to it? And and then of course I started to look into um, I started to look into the law of uh, law of attraction. You could say the visualizing the reality you want and 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 writing right. stories to like kind of suit vision you boards this. that would that would be related to this stuff right a hundred percent it's like yeah. the normie version of this in my opinion yeah um, and like then, level, level one of magic sort of thing like that's like the foundations and, um, and then what i started to notice with young because i think young is actually a very interesting counterbalance to this is that um, an awful lot of this stuff is very actively willed so like will to power i want to create this and all this type of stuff and and young mm. would often say that um he would often have the, his 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 whole philosophy is a philosophy of submission. You must submit to the unconscious. Mm. Like the Red Book is a story of submission. He submits to his soul, his anima, and his anima becomes a sort of operant operant force that leads him. Um, and what Jung was often saying is that you can't. You you always have to understand that there's things inside of you. If you want to put it simply, like you've got your own psyche and unconscious and soul and reality. And in some sense, that's the thing that decides your destiny, not necessarily you. Um, and so if you have a, you know, you could say uh, in the common paradigms, maybe you have a trauma from childhood or uh, you have a, you went through a period when you're a teenager where you hated yourself and you caked in through trauma and pain a negative sense of yourself, a negative identity, or a bitter identity or resentful identity towards the world. And you saw the world as evil and mean, and you saw people as not respecting you and all this type of stuff. And it got buried deep down in all these different layers of your personality. And deep in your unconscious now, you have a sort of vision of yourself, if you will, that's um, not a good guy, or you're, 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 you're like the, the angsty teenager against the world. You're the, you're the rebel on the outside of society. And then you get a person like that, and you give them something like magic, and they, they then have this ability because they've now consolidated an ego. Now, remember, the unconscious has stores all these memories and all this trauma and all this stuff in the body. And then your ego forms. And your ego forms as a reaction to what has happened to you down here. So, for example, if I was bullied as a teenager, I might form an ego or a persona or a character of being a tough guy. You often mm. see stuff like this. And so it's like, Tom, I'm a, don't fucking talk to me. I'm a tough guy. Uh, be careful what you say to me, Tom. I'm a tough guy, all this type of stuff. But underneath the tough guy might be a, a sad guy or a lonely guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or even here, you know, I've, I've had those situations where you even just give eye contact to someone and they kind of look, did you just give me eye contact? That means you want to fight. What are you looking at? Yeah. And it's like, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah, I yeah. just, I just glance, man. Like, yeah. So you have nice it, eyes. Like. It's like an extreme version, but it's like, whoa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have nice yeah. eyes. Yeah, you're beautiful, man. I was just admiring. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like 100%. And so, and that would be the sort of it. There's like a frail, there's something, something underneath the hood, you know? And yeah. I'm not necessarily trying to subvert tough guys. Like you can be a genuine tough guy and that's actually pretty cool sometimes. But anyway, you kind of sure. get my point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you consolidate this ego. And so you get this young guy who maybe has uh, a lot of stuff he needs to sort out from his past. 
um, and in himself and he needs to develop a vision of himself that's more positive deep down unconsciously if you will and relationship with the father and the mother and all this type of stuff and you mm. give him something like magic and magic provides him because he's in pain deep down he doesn't like who he is he doesn't like how people see him he doesn't like his past so he's in pain and we all want to transform and escape that pain we all want to transform and yes. escape who we are to become someone better and in many ways better might mean and um, live in a better reality or maybe it's better and become a better person yeah, so that we can like, respect ourselves and all this. reclaim your power you know 100%. And so these guys would come across something like magic, which genuinely looks like, you know, the Blue Rose story maybe means that it's true. And they find this power, they find this tool that allows them to conduct their will, to execute their will upon the world and actually like make stuff happen. In a Harry Potter way. shit right there. Yeah. Harry, Harry Potter shit is right. <laughs> and um, and then what happens is you give them this and then it kind of, it works or there's something to it anyway. And it gives them, it starts to give them an identity and it gives them an identity of empowerment. They start to feel that they can do stuff. They start to feel competent. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, for example, if you find a guy who's um, getting bullied, like it's nothing wrong with teaching him how to fight. That will give him an identity of empowerment and help him become better. But even if he learns how to fight on some level, you're going to have to sit down with him and teach him how to overcome the, 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 he's not a victim him anymore you have to yes. like bring him back to the past and make him make peace with the fact that he was bullied even if he's able to fight right. you have to do that because he might turn into the tough guy who's like easily triggered and now he's a dangerous tough guy because he's like out to fight the world and, and he's actually just trying to beat up the guys who who bullied him when he was like 14 or something yes like this. Like, or, or at least not react with anger and hate in your heart you know i think that's like there's a different way of approaching a fight you know yes yeah, I'd I'd love to. I mean, like I'd love to kind of do a case study maybe on Conor McGregor. Maybe there's something like that going on there. Cause he, <laughs> he seems like a little bit unhinged at the moment. Yeah. Um, but regardless yeah. of that, um, armchair fucking psychologist here. Um, <laughs> regardless of that, you can imagine a dude who gets a hold of magic in the same type of way, and he's able to do all these cool things. And he's at the very least, he's able to entertain himself and think that he's got power and think that he's doing stuff. And maybe deep down, if he's still got those issues that he's not confronting in the Jungian sense, they will start to bend the way he approaches this stuff. And so he'll start to get, you know, attracted to the idea of Satan or attracted right. to the idea of these like negative ideas. Like, you know, sort of metal from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, 100%. The Ring of power. Like, I am. I'm the eye. I'm the eye. I'm the powerful one. And he starts to develop a sort of yeah. aura and love of the evil character because the evil character is the yes. one with power. And that's what he's looking for. He's looking to have that type of power. And um, and then, yeah, this kind of, you see this quite a lot then is that people get into this stuff and they, 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 it's like this sort of, they bend towards these things. They're, they're attracted towards these type of things because it gives them a, a, a an interesting identity, an identity that they're intoxicated with. And it really makes you wonder like what's, go, what's going on there. Like is the answer for them maybe to go to the past and look through all this type of stuff and try to cleanse it out instead of um getting themselves entranced with the sort of romance of a you know fucking lucifer or something like this yes yes because it's luring at the beginning but then i think a big problem is pride and kind of relying on your own will and thinking that no i'm never going to get corrupted by playing with fire that kind of thing and that's why gandalf even in lord of the ring that's why you know when frodo was giving him the ring he's like no don't tempt me frodo you know because he know he knows even though he's a powerful wizard he doesn't understand this this unknown magical principle so he, even he's like nah i'm not going to touch it because i know it's going to consume me right he's not relying on his own will even saruman actually there's a video on the actor of saruman uh christopher lee and he even he got a he got asked about a question about the occult and magic and all that kind of stuff and his face just like trust me don't get into this kind of stuff you're, you're opening doors that you don't want to open i 
have met people who claimed to be Satanists, who claimed to be involved with black magic, who claimed that they not only knew a lot about it, but as I said, I've certainly never been involved and I warn all of you, never, never, never. You will not only lose your mind, you lose your soul. Right, he kind of gave this very yeah. ominous kind of response. And that's where my instinct came because like, I was playing with this stuff. I didn't go too far into it because I just knew, like my instinct told me like, yeah, this is, I don't know, I just felt something that maybe you're opening some sort of portals or you're, I don't know, it just didn't sit right with me. So I kind of, I left it alone and stopped, stopped playing with that kind of stuff. And Yeah, and it's, 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 it's uh... I get it though. I get the, I get the allure for sure. But do, you, do you believe? But do you believe that there is a heavy price to go into this world, this occult magic, doing all this kind of stuff? I, I would look at it like the price of violence and the price. Like I would look at it in the context of fighting. So, right. for example, exact same principle. You you can be a victim when you're younger and get bullied, and then um, someone can take you and empower you and teach you to fight. And the, you know, you know the Costa, the Mato, the guy who trained uh, Mike Tyson, or John Cavanaugh, the guy who trained Conor McGregor. Mm. Like these guys pick up these poor kids who were having a hard time and had a violent edge to them, and they train them. And actually, a huge amount of their training is to teach them to right. use their mind properly. And oftentimes, what you need to do is teach them to kind of confront their past. And then you give them power, and a, a large amount of it is teaching them how to then wield that power with nobility and correctly, and mm. and and in, in a way that is um, just proper, you know. Because if you teach a young man how to use his fists, like he can kill people, he gets to the point where he's able. You could just walk into a bar if you wanted and just pick out someone and just be like, "I'm going to murder that guy and hold him down, and beat him to death." Like, Same with money, awesome. right? Like if you give some young teen, like if you gave my seventeen-year-old a million dollars, that would not have ended well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, one hundred percent. But at that exactly. time, but you have that pride of thinking, like, no, I can handle it. You know what I mean? But the the point is that you can't, and that's when you rely on your own will, because we're fallible by nature. You know what I mean? We're always going to fall over. So, and it yeah, depends and on what approach you want to take this. But yeah. It's, and it's a careful balancing act because fundamentally, like you do have to make decisions to become a yes. man. To become a responsible person you have to learn how to make decisions in your own feet take authority and, and, and assert your will you need to learn that but then there's there always has to be the context and the balancing of like what that means and how you do that properly and where that goes and so um with someone like conor mcgregor or mike tyson they're great examples because those guys spiraled those guys spiraled and fucked up quite majorly like oh, they yeah. had serious public um life implosions when you kind of look at what happened the great and, fall and, yeah the great, the great fall. Mike was a great example, like really dangerous, like this just aura of like pure power. And yeah. Even the way he walks, you know, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> and and his, like, he was so scary for people. Like he, his, yeah. everybody would look at him and be like, like, especially towards his peak, people would be like, Mike is going to eat that guy. He's like a lion eating a gazelle in those Oof. fucking rings and all this type of stuff. And then as he started to ascend, basically he, I think he changed coaches. His coach died and he got on board with Don King and Don King was like proper promoter, moneymaker and all this stuff. And my, oh, damn testing. Hello. 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 Yo. Yo. I think that's from your computer. Like, yeah, um, oh, should better. be back online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all good, all good. I, I slapped the cord. I was there, <laughs> the cord, cord of flick, giving the cord a flick. But um, 
but he spiraled and he, he went for an implosion, a very public one. And you can look at it. And then he comes out afterwards. It's, it's just so fascinating. Connor did the same thing. He goes for this massive implosion. He shows up early on. He's like this witty kind of uh, dodgy Irish guy who's like coming out with these like sharp uh, kind of, you know, stinging insults. But you can see that he's got kind of a good sport underneath him and he's 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 up for like yes. succeeding and all this type of stuff. And then he Connor shows up with Khabib and suddenly the energy's changed massively. And Connor's like, uh, yeah. like, like blatantly being rude and like blatantly being a uh, he like looks sort of on tilt he looks sort of on yeah. tilt same there in the last fight like he's mocking sort of his on... religion you know like he knows he doesn't drink alcohol he's like here drink drink come on you're like you know all this kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah, and stuff like this. And it's it's not as funny. Like, it's not as kind of witty and humorous and engaging. It's It's no. got a different tone to it or something like this. And um, and then the same sort of with Mike. Mike ascends and then suddenly, like, he's no longer the indomitable Mike. He's like crazy Mike is what people call it. He starts biting people's ears off and stuff like this. Mm. And they get to this high point, if you will. And um, this is the point where their will isn't able to tame. It's unable to be controlled. And they're, they 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 spiral. They 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 go off the rails. They lose the virtues that kept them tamed. Their yes. coaches can't control them anymore, and uh, they have a massive implosion. And then, for example, Connor gets massively humbled by Khabib. Shows up again as like this nice humble guy. Um, and same with Mike. Mike Mike had this massive implosion. All these terrible things went wrong. And you listen to Mike now, and like Mike's, you know, got a huge amount of humility, and and you can see he yeah, got stung yeah. really really badly, and all these types. Of things. I think that's even where where God can come in. You know what I mean? That to humble yep. you instead of because. A lot of these, you know, when you grow your pride to that massive level and you think you're God, again, that's the, the archetype of Lucifer, right? Like sa Satanism, yeah. but just painted in a different way, of course. Where you um, just, actually, you know? And Jung was talking about this in Thus Spoke Zarathustra, and he was, he was doing a se seminar on this. And he noticed that uh, in tribal, because when Jung went down to Africa, he noticed in tribes that um, after a warrior would go out and, and fight one-on-one -on -one against another warrior and kill the warrior, and um, he would come back into the tribe and the tribe would um, say that he's like magic. And first of all, they'd take his sword off him and they'd consider his sword dangerous. So they'd isolate the sword because it's this magic sword that is, has got the power of life and death in it. And so they're all terrified of the sword, first of all. Second of all, they would... Um, they, they would banish the, the 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 guy to the top of the mountain or in a cave or something like that and they'd only feed him like grass or something for like you know four or five days or maybe longer and um, to, to make him deflate Damn. because when he comes back in he's like you know big dick energy walking in, like, <laughs> i fucking kill yeah. i kill him man i'm invincible i'm a fucking badass and all this and so they I'm need to bring him down yeah, yeah, yeah i'm a god i'm a god well know? it's interesting that you bring up this point because i think it's very important to have a good group around you who's because I feel like good friends always call you out on your bullshit. If you are getting inflated or if you start spreading wacky ideas instead of having a bunch of yes men, like, yes, 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 you're right, you're right. Or just kind of being in this echo chamber of what you want to hear, this kind of self-masturbatory kind of state. Instead, it's good to have friends or mentors, you know, who will kind of tell you the truth. Like if you're kind of going too inflated, a good friend will tell you like, hey, dude, you, you got some shit on your face. You might want to wipe that off kind yeah. of thing yeah and and that's that's gold it, it's it, even that though is just hard because it's it's hard like for example say you're conor mcgregor's friend and conor is after becoming world champion on his way to become a billionaire can beat up anybody 
and mm-hmm. and at that point like you could try be his old friend and say it to him but he would he wouldn't be conor mcgregor that you knew when you're younger he would come across as possessed by a new energy like yeah. he's possessed by the the force of god and all this stuff she'd be like conor you're kind of losing the run of yourself you're not the same guy and he'd be like yeah man of course i'm not the same guy i'm now the fucking champion of the world I'm not who I was. And then he'd, you know, see all your flaws and he'd be like, yeah, you're just like, you know, you never really amounted to anything. Why the fuck should I listen to you? And then he'd offend you and then you'd kind of break away from it. And you try to, you know, you can't fight him. Like, you're not going to fight Conor McGregor. So it, it is very, very hard. And and they sort of tune out their their friends. And um, and that's a very, very hard thing. It's a very, very hard thing. John Kavanagh, Conor's coach, specifically said this. He said that, uh, oh, yeah, um, uh, Connor beat Aldo, you know. So Connor had gone up here, and knocked out Aldo in one punch, and uh, and then he went off and he lost to Nate Diaz. And and uh, John was saying after this, it's like you know, after Connor beat Aldo, like it was kind of hard for me to coach him. Like I, I what am I going to do? Walk into the world fucking champion and tell him what to do? Like this guy, this guy was on top of the world. Like he was, he was beyond me. Like I felt intimidated by him. I felt intimidated by his his competence, his aura. Like he's he's it felt like he was better to me. And and it's difficult. Like I, you kind of get it. You 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 would. It's easy to say, John, you should have been more harsh and you should have done all this. But in in the actual experience of it, like what are you gonna do? Turn around to the guy who just you know took over the world and 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 tried to take him down a peg. And he he would give you that look and be like, why the fuck should I listen to you? Why should I listen to you? And you can only hope the only thing that would work is that if Connor has the humility to give you the permission to be the, the, the dominatrix over him, like that's really the only thing that can work in that, in that context. And um, it has to be a sort of permission thing and, and has to be in Connor in a large extent. And so this is why it's, it's um, the, the humility virtue is such a big deal, you know? Um, so it's a hard problem. And, and I guess the kind of thing with stuff like magic is it's, this, it's exact same principles. It's um, operantly gaining these interesting powers, such as the ability to sit down and create culture. And that has influence on the world. And then you have to ask yourself, um, like, how do you know the culture you create and the will that you want will be a positive one? You know, how, how yes. do you know that you know what you want? Because that's always the story with magic. Careful what you wish for. How do you yeah. know you know what you want? You will get exactly what you ask for, but you don't know what you're asking for. Always be careful with your words. Always be careful of how you spell, with your grammar. Yes. All these things matter because um, if you have a load of bullshit going on inside you, Jungian style, and you formulate your will and write your will to power out and ask for something, you'll, you'll get exactly what you ask for, but it might be the worst thing of all because you're not in the right headspace you're you're in that you yeah know, you're like oh like you could say like you know i can imagine a magician who grows up becomes edgy has christian parents who were like putting him down and always telling him to be humble and he was getting bullied in school and humility wasn't the thing he needed he needed violence and then he grows up and he discovers magic and magic feels like power and then he turns around and he associates that with the opposite of his parents because of deep down emotionally, he's angry at them. Yes, he chooses Satan. And then he says, you know, he sits down there one day and does a fucking like, you know, pentagram ritual in his fucking room with candles and all this shit and incense and says, yep. make me, make me Satan's disciple or something like that. And you don't fucking know what you're doing there, man. Nah, but nah. He, you can see how he could get to that point. Rebellion and, against and, the father. Yeah. And, and maybe it would work. Maybe Satan would show up and be like, nice, right? I'll give you the power. But like, you know, you're, you've said you want to be yes. my disciple and power's disciple is, yeah. Like, you know, but then some people thing. get so fooled into that thinking like, yeah, I'm, you know, Satan likes me, but it's like Satan's a liar. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't give a shit about you. He's just going to say whatever he needs to say to get you on that path. And you hear that a it's, lot. It's, Again, that, that's why it's interesting watching, instead of listening to a Satanist who's just getting into it, listen to a Satanist who's been on that path for like 20 years you know what i mean like see the long-term fruits what's coming out of it yeah 
Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's, it's quite interesting. Like, I think Satan's original meaning was adversary. Uh, yes. I'm, I'm not too sure. And, and he was uh, actually, I think God, I think adversary comes from an old role in courtrooms. So you had yes. a guy who was basically like the quote unquote devil's advocate. He was like the opposite guy. He was the bullshit caller outer. He was the guy who um, kind yes. of w went against and all this stuff. Like the opposite so, of Christ, right? Well, but then if Christ represents truth and wisdom and he's the adversary of that, then by def wouldn't that just be anti-truth by definition? Uh, so with, with Christianity, yes, that's the way it gets framed. But I think older than that, it's, it's slightly well. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting one. So in the past, you have uh, you have you have God, and um, so the older context before Christ was you have God, and then his it's it's almost like the the advisor God has who calls God out in his bullshit. It seems to be Satan. For example, in the book of Job, yes, you have Job, and Jung talked about this. this is a weird book because you have Job, and Job's a good dude. And then you have this sort of advisor in the court of heaven, who is Satan, who's, you know, Satan, uh, the, the adversary. And he says to God, it's like, Job doesn't really love you. And so God starts to do some fucked up, like voodoo doll shit to Job. He starts to torture him and fuck with him and play around with him and all this type of stuff. And it's sort of like, bro, like you're giving Job a pretty hard time to prove a point here. Like, what the fuck? This is, this is horrible. Um, and Satan kind of goads him on. Satan is kind of saying, listen, well, like, you know, here's the opposite perspective. Here's the kind of take and all this type of stuff. And Satan's a very neutral character there. He's not necessarily like toned with evil. He's toned with, um, yeah, he's, it's, he's got sinister tones, certainly, but it's a, it's a different vibe. And then when Christ shows up, um, Christ is a fascinating kind of evolution of that because Christ represents absolute good like absolute perfection yes you know, the, the, yes the, 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 the media the, it's like the mediator between god and and humans you know and he was so humble man you know what i mean like he was yes you grew up in like poor areas and yeah a hundred percent and and it's just so like it's just it's goodness personified like this is what this is what i find very very interesting about like uh you could even say stuff like the satanists and all this is that uh it, it's interesting like I'd be Nietzschean, so I like I'm not sure. I, I have my my wonderings and ponderings and critiques of Christianity, but um, to hate Jesus is like kind of a strange thing because Jesus is just like Definitely. a good guy. Like he's not yes. like a bad guy on any level, you know. At the very very least, he's someone <laughs> with a pretty pretty solid heart, you know. And he sort of represents that. He represents like just purity of heart and feeling good. And and you notice that that's what riles people up. People don't want to believe that you can be good. You can be, people don't want to believe you can be pure. People don't want to believe you can have good intentions. They want to believe that there's darkness. They want to believe that there's a, there's sinister intentions or a sort of um, right. a secreted bad intention. And all or this like a, a justification to sin. You know what I mean? Like, it's okay if I just masturbate to porn every day and eat junk food and do drugs and drink. Like, so what, what's the big deal? You know. and, and this is specifically what I mean by that is that um, like we all have those urges in us, you know, oh, 100%. And I'm a sinful dude, man. So I'm not going to be like, oh, holier than thou. Like I get it, you know, but it's just yes. when it's when you frame it as, oh, no, but this is good. That That's when I start to have a problem with it. Uh, and that's quite interesting. Yes, absolutely. And so we all have those urges inside of us and they, they you know, we fail with them often. Yes. Um, and what Christ sort of symbolizes is he's the offering of a suggestion of like, you know, this is someone who is pure, who's someone who who really, really um, has good energy and has overcome many of the, these addictions. And I meet loads of people like this, you know, and yes. has overcome yes. the wor worst in them and allowed the best in them to thrive. And, and, you, um, and you and you watch them like long term because like some people have like a life changing let's say spiritual experience but then six months later they're right back where they started but I've seen a lot of these people with kind of harrowing stories man like hor like you can't even imagine how horrific some some of these dark paths people go down 
and they have like this Christ experience and it's like long term yes. they're still they're still good they still have peace in their heart and it's like it's amazing just from like an outside of view it's like wow really that it actually works you know and this is sort of related to this magic thing uh, so I'm, I'm trying to make seven points here so i'm going to actually tag that <laughs> because that's such an interesting thing to talk the about seven hermetic uh, laws yeah the seven hermetic laws <laughs> um we have the 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 christ so the christ question mm -hmm. and yeah so for example christ represents that purity and then of course the the the, the satan the adversary to this so when Christ shows up in the story, the adversary to this is a very, very strong swing towards, um, <clears throat> you could say, the antichrist or the opposite of that purity. So it's, yes. it's, it's by definition impurity. And this is where Satan starts to take on the, the tone of absolute evil and extreme evil and um, an awful yes. lot more. He becomes an awful lot more black right. instead of like inverting gray. everything. Right. So like instead of having in symbolic truth he dismantles that symbolism. That's why always changing the meanings of words and confusion and chaos and yes, disruption, yes. And all that kind he of starts stuff. To, he starts to take an awful lot more of that sort of body of like, um, like absence of the opposite adversary going against all these type of things. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a, a slightly different tone, it seems. It's a, it's a weirder tone. It's a stranger character, if you want to think about it this way. Um, and that just sort of relates to what, what I was talking about earlier in regards to like Job and God and, mm. and sort of why people kind of get into, right. you could say, Satanism and all this. Because it's like, it's like a, it literally is like a, 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 just like the way a teenager, because their parents are Christian, they become yeah. um, edgy. In that intention yeah, yeah. and then when you're uh, me too uh, you man know, you're... i was like christianity was the one religion which i hated the most and i find that very interesting something yeah. that i've noticed even like within new age spirituality every single religion <laughs> is accepted except for like traditional yeah. orthodox christianity and i was like huh and that kind of like that curiosity i'm like i wonder why so then i just went yeah, yeah, yeah. out kind of delved into it myself yeah. and, and it makes yeah, sense and... And it's, it's quite interesting. And I, I, like in a Jungian sense, I would sort of suggest, you know, like Christianity is this sort of standardized Western religion. Right. And an awful lot of this stuff is reactionary against yes. that. As opposed and, to, and to be fair, just, just, uh, just for the audience as well, because I do believe that Christianity, like especially like in the 19th, 20th century, man, there's been such poor representatives of Christianity. And then it kind of devolved into like, you know, Protestant Christianity and all these different denominations. So I think when a lot of people have that aversion towards Christians, because you've met that, you know, that that classic fundamental Baptist Christian who's like super judgmental, and it kind of turns you off, you associate that with Christianity. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, 100%, 100%. And, and so I get um... it, I 100% get it. I hated it. Too. I, I, th I think in, in the broader sphere, like what, what I see is it, it, like, if you want to look at the West as like a teenager, um, the, the, you know, the teenager was Christian up to this certain point, And now it's going through a stage of reactionary rebellion. Yes. Where it's trying to find a new identity. And, and that's actually a very interesting problem because, you know, you can't just, this is a young one-on-one. You can't just throw out the past. You can't just, no. it, as, as much as you try to get rid of Christianity, you will only ever be in juxtaposition to it. You'll only ever be in, in a reaction to it. You either digest it, accept it, and overcome it, or you perpetually try to rebel against it, literally as the Antichrist, right. you know? Throw, throwing you the baby this... out with the bathwater. That's exactly 100%. what it is. And it has a lot of good and, and stuff, because, you... like, you, you know, you look at even, uh, like, I'm not necessarily agree with Catholic, Catholicism, but... There's also been, you know, they've done horrible things for sure. There's no denying that humans have, you know, it's every culture, every community, every religion, every country, we've all done horrible shit, but it doesn't mean that you should just abandon your nation and your community. But there's something interesting is that, you know, like even the Catholic Church, they brought 
scientific knowledge and they they built the first universities they abolished slavery they you know had the first adoption center and all like all these amazing amazing things that we just kind of take for granted and i'm not here to say therefore it's good but it kind of just gets ignored you know you only look at but what about the the inquisition or whatever or whatever it is or the bigotry yeah. the homophobia etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, if if you actually study Catholicism, it's it's literally because a lot of these people would be like, you can call them liberals if you want to think about it this way, or liberal leaning. Yes, and the Catholic the Catholic Church is literally like you know the biggest left wing institution that has ever lived, supporting yeah. the poor against the against yeah. the kings, supporting the poor yeah, against armies dude. unnecessary. Like, it obviously had its bad sides, but um, but like, but, but that's humanity. Ever, but that's humanity. That's not like Christianity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, but what about yeah, these yeah. Christians who killed people? It's like, yeah, but they obviously went following their religion you know thou shalt not yeah. kill you know love yeah, your yeah, enemies yeah. and all that kind of stuff but yeah it's, yeah. It, it, there's um, a lot we can get into it's a complicated subject but it's just something that i've noticed within myself you know and well and i think i think it yeah. is i think it's a fascinating subject and the um sure. the kind of broader perspective because we talked about this before the you have the again the Jungian thing like you have an identity as a kid if you want to think about it this way and then you go to school and that identity gets destroyed and then sort of late teens early 20s you need to discover and create a new identity and often the problem with you being a teenager is that you react against the identity your parents gave you you, you try to create a new one especially if your identity has gone wrong if <clears throat> if things have worked out for you you might just stick with your identity and be you know that'll be the type of person who'll be the same person from when they're a young person all the yeah. way up until they're like 20s you, you meet people like that a lot but um some people don't some people become a teenager and they get bullied or they get ostracized or they discover a new world that their parents didn't show them and they start to create and look for a new way of being and what they do is they as i said form a reaction against the past so it's, mm. they define themselves as opposite to their parents as opposed to being a first principle and actually yes. a new thing to themselves they're, they're removing so they, the foundation right and then we kind of get yeah. into nihilism and we fall into the abyss and then you know yeah. the abandonment of logic and all this kind of stuff are, are you familiar with father seraphim rose he wrote a book on nihilism which is i think you'd really really enjoy that i'll, I'll check Wait. it out um i, I am not at all and that's uh, father seraphim rose Sorry. he also wrote uh orthodoxy and the religion of the future which is absolutely fat this was written in the 70s and everything that he's talking about is like dude this is bang on exactly what's happening is, right now and he, he, uh... he, he and he he's he's an orthodox monk he was a hindu for about 20 years i think he was like a yeah he was a hindu for 20 years and then he ended up going to orthodox christianity interesting yeah there's a lot of orthodox going on at the moment it's kind, orthodox yeah, it's kind of, having a bit it's coming back orthodox. well that, that's where i've you know I've, I've been went to liturgy like for the first time a month ago and kind of been gone yeah, it's been really well, really interesting bad. yeah and no one in my family is like there's literally not one person in my entire family who's even been to an orthodox church so I'm definitely the first. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we, should, we should definitely have a chat about that in a bit. We definitely have a chat about that in a bit. Um, there's just one thing I want to talk about with the with, with Christ and all that stuff. Yeah, and sorry. We'll and, and, and just because yeah, I, I actually want to know, like, I wonder what the early church father's perspective is on the book of Job, because I, I, I'm familiar with the story. I just don't know, like, what's the explanation of this? Because there are certain stories in the Old Testament where I'm still trying to reconcile. I'm like, hang on a sec. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's, it's a bit weird, but it's also once i look at the old testament with the lens of christ he's all over that man there's like so many prophecies and like the you see the patterns you know it's like a fract even genesis like i kind of look at it as a fractal pattern that repeats throughout all human history but in just yeah, different yeah, yeah. ways you know uh, um I yeah think sorry Isaiah's, anyway go on. 
Isaiah is pretty cool as well. Isaiah 53, think... dude. If that's not a freaking exact description of the coming of Christ, I don't know what is, man. And I'm pretty It'll sure even a... a lot of the, the synagogues, they remove that chapter from the Torah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I've heard that. I don't, I, can't, I don't want to confirm, so I don't want to just like, you know, spread hearsay, but I have heard that because if you read Isaiah 53, those who are interested at home, read that shit and tell me that that is not an exact description of Christ in like uncanny ways. It's, it's mind-blowing. And that was written like 700 years. Or I don't even know how many, but many of hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. So, Oh, Isaiah 53 is exactly what Jung puts at the start of the Red Book. That's actually oh, really? interesting. Wow. He grew yeah. up before him like a tender shoe and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire. He was despised, rejected by mankind, a man of sorrow and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Yeah, man, it's nuts. Surely he took up pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced. Pierced. Wow, and he was, he was literally pierced, bro, by a spear. Yeah. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Yeah. And by his wounds, we are healed. We, yep. like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned away, and the Lord has laid upon him the inquiry of us all. That, yeah, man, it's, it's fucking... And that, even like, that, that, it, it, that. Sa- it even says that he gets buried in the rich man's tomb. All right. Like, okay, we're back. Yeah, it, it even says in that... Oh, I'm pretty sure later in that passage that he got, he gets buried in, the, in a rich man's tomb and even kind of alludes to the the good thief and the bad thief that he gets crucified with like that kind of thing it's it's, yeah it's mind-blowing how how do you explain that man like when you read something like that you're like what um, amazing i'm actually gonna i'm gonna give it a whack in a second to talk about that because that's a really cool topic um i'm I'm gonna just first review back to the christ thing and talk about the sort of uh what, what you notice um uh, like uh, all right so in the Jungian sense like why christianity makes sense and if you want at the end of it we can talk about like anti-christian stuff so we can just get the full picture if uh, maybe your audience wants it but i'll talk to you about um because you said earlier you notice people who embrace christ and then years down the, lo- the road they're in a good place and yes it's it's kind of it's kind of like that thing i was talking about you know the west right now is like a teenager whose identity is breaking down and they're forming a reactionary identity against their parents so you know all the new age movements you go into and then all the satanist movement and that you go into the liberal atheist movements and it's like oh buddhism's kind of cool and Mm -hmm, all this type of mm -hmm. stuff but the ones that they're really really against are christianity and maybe islam to a lesser extent but they they certainly like have their problems with islam which is coherent i guess but um, this is what i think i'd mentioned to you last time but it happened again uh like i don't want i'm not going to address it right now because it's a deep topic and man there's so many there's so many topics that we can go down but uh you know interviewing a christian and then I get called out for being a bigot and a homophobe and all this kind of stuff. But even though we didn't even mention the word homosexuality, like we didn't even <laughs> talk about that. It was purely just about new age spirituality. But my point is that if I was to interview a Muslim, there is no way, there is no way that video would exist because you'd be Islamophobic, right? But there is no Christian Christianophobia. So it's like, but in Islam, they'll kill you for that stuff. Whereas the Christian ways to love you, like, you know what I mean? It's not that certain sinners get kind of singled out because the point is we're all sinners i'm just as much of a sinner as anyone else you know what i mean yeah, from that perspective. We, we, 
we could, we could talk about that in, in maybe later as like a quite an yeah. edgy conversation because, yeah, yeah. Um, well, maybe we'll just leave it we'll leave it at that because it's uh yeah yeah i, I think we'll just get, keep get, going maybe, yeah 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 yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. get us in trouble <laughs> I, I, yeah. well, it's, it's not even about getting in trouble it's just something that i'm still exploring myself and i did look at this as an opportunity to look at my blind spots and learn more about it for sure yeah like yeah but well, we, yeah. we can talk about that we'll, we'll pop into that later um but um where was it sort of going yeah you have that reactionary identity and you see that all over the place and like it's it's actually crazy like people will base lives on behaviors that are just like by definition just anti-christian you know like they mm. they want to just do everything the opposite of what they were traditionally told to do which is actually fascinating because it's just a, a completely reactionary personality and yeah and that's that's you know you have to look at that and be like look that's not standing on your own feet and operating from first principles and of course you can do that you can be anti-christian and create a worldview on first principle that is separate from it like nietzsche i think quite successfully did that we can talk yes. about that later I, I, actually but, nietzsche was one of the main topics i wanted to talk to you about before we started this podcast but it, i love where it went man so sweet, we can all, you know well, we we can, can, yeah We'll, we'll get into it. Nietzsche, Nietzsche is a fucking great topic. Um, and, and so what you notice then is that when people, as I said, you, you'll kind of get that archetype of someone who's got a wounded soul, a wounded heart, yes. a wounded unconscious, a wounded psyche, and they yes. need to fix that foundational fundamental identity. And then they come across something like magic or something like this that, that yes. teaches them power. And then they begin to play around with this and it gives them a new identity. And of course, because they haven't healed the stuff from the past, they right. form this new reactionary identity and become a Satanist or a new age um, anti-Christian uh, something. Right. Or something and, like and just so like, if someone has, a, like I'm always open, you know, if you've followed my journey throughout this channel, I'm always like getting people from different perspectives. I'm a very open guy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm quite reasonable, I, I like to believe. And if you have some sort of an issue, email me, message me. I feel like if you go straight to slander, it's like, yeah. whoa, dude, you could have talked to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. why I don't, but I don't want to play into that game. That's why I don't name any names. And my first reaction is like, oh, you, you know what I mean? It's like anger, but then it's like, nah, like what you're talking about, the, the wounded psyche and all that kind of stuff. So all you can do, like the, I guess the, the, the Christian thing to do would just to send love and forgiveness and, you know, hopefully well, that. The and this is the and this is like like young like young spoke this way so anybody who's interested in someone like young they should definitely check out what he talks about this because yes. then you have that same sort of question about maybe you've got a wounded psyche or something like this and yes. you need to choose an identity you need to choose who you're going to be and of course there's sort of laws to our nature like you need to choose certain virtues to do well in this world you're going to need a bit of humility like yes. we said with Conor McGregor and, and Mike Tyson, like humility would have served them well if you could install that virtue in their heads. But it's very, very fucking hard when these guys are on top of the world. Right. And pride, right? You, yeah. All comes pride, back to pride. 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 100%. And if you have this image in your head, if you have this identity really deeply imprinted in you that you accept and you embrace and you fully are congruent with, um, that is encouraging humility and encouraging mm -hmm. action and encouraging um like good like you know uh, assertive behavior towards your purpose 
and encouraging honest speech and truthful speech and being sincere and going for stuff and all this, if you get that in identity installed uh, properly, as, as say before you become world champion or something like this, you, you might even handle that really, really, really well. And you see this, for example, yes. with people who embrace Christ, because Christ has quite a lot of those virtues just installed in him naturally. And Jung would talk right. about this. Christ is a symbol of what we call the self. Christ is a very basic Western symbol of how we should see ourselves on the most fundamental level. It, it started off there. Eastern, to be fair. Uh, you will, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I, I know you're saying, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and 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 the main thing is that sort of idea of like within him we get access to these universal principles. This is sort right. of like a very Jordan. Jordan well, even even the that. Orthodox uh, uh, perspective, from from what I understand so far, is that all these virtues ultimately come from Christ. Anything good that yeah, comes yeah. from you, you're just channeling that. You're just allowing that yeah. to flow through you. Uh, and that's that's such important language allowing it to flow through you because it's precisely yes. it. like christ, christ as a symbol is it lives and he's eternal and the principles that he represents are built into him it's yes. like a messianic religious figure and these if you uncreated energies right like wisdom oh. all these virtues all this kind of stuff and even if you think sorry just before you continue because i think it's a good point even think about mu music like you're a musician i'm a musician Boom. when you make the best stuff is it coming from you or you're allowing this thing to come through. Pride will tell you that I'm creating this. I am a musical genius. It's like, no, you're a conduit, dude. Calm down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? 100%. No, 100%. And that's actually a pretty big deal. Like uh, even some of the worst music I've ever made has been me sitting down and sort of being like, I shall force the song yeah, to be yeah, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. My will. And then I like ritualize and it's like, my will shall create a good song. It's just a shit song. It. It's just like, I. Uh, there's that's no a, way around that's it. That's the Satanist version of making music. <laughs> and then, I will will and, myself to make this masterpiece. And, and yeah. uh, like Jung would then suggest that, and, and it's a very, very powerful point, that if you could, can find yourself embracing Christ and, and sitting down with Jesus and, and, and allowing the symbol to soak into you and, and marrying your identity to him, and it is, it's an act of submission, you give your will over to him, and you you kind of obey this and all this type of stuff that's going to actually set you up most times it's going to set you up for positions of, of decent health like it's going to help you live well it yes. really will yes. and uh, there's copious amounts of evidence you meet a lot of christians who genuinely do this and like and often oftentimes they're, they're just very like a lot of things go right for them not all of them there's a lot of christians with a lot of bullshit in their heads and oh, like, 100%. and let's just say that there definitely is that kind of bigoted judgmental kind of christian but they're not like they're not really following it to like with all their heart you know what i mean like because a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. christians kind of just they're just christians because their parents were christians and they're just kind of repeating the same stuff without actually understanding the the profundity of the yeah. theology or something like that that's why i think the more potent christians are usually those who come to it later in life especially that lost sheep parable like me i went through every single like dude i read the quran before i read the Bible for the first time. I read the Gospel of Thomas <laughs> before reading this stuff. I went to Gnosticism, Buddhism, Hinduism, yeah, Satanism, yeah, yeah, yeah. all this atheism, all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, just, you, it, yeah, you, you have like a bigger, because I, I kind of understand and I have empathy and compassion and it, it gives you a, a broader perspective versus just repeating what you've just been told. You know what I mean? Because I have that very rebellious nature of like, I'm not going to believe this just because some dude told me it's true. But once you find it out yourself and you, you, you give your all to it, that's when the, the fruits really come. And I even, oh, I even uh, experimented because I've kind of been 
dabbling with Christianity for the last few years, but I kind of closeted, just didn't make any videos about it. And then once yeah. I started kind of following this, closeted uh, Christian, eh? yeah, I was, I was for sure, for sure. And I was like, kind of, uh, and I haven't even talked about this on my channel too much. Uh, so a lot of this is kind of new, but I, I kind of was following these Christian virtues and I was already it, like with Jordan Peterson, for example, he was like my gateway drug into Christianity or back into Christianity. Oh. And, and so I started to kind of follow these, these virtues, these Christian principles and stuff like that without ever talking about it on my channel. And then you'll see, I can even go back to my videos and people will be like, Tom, you look so like wise and grounded and man, you look really happy. You're glowing. But then as soon as you say like, oh yeah, actually I was following Christian principles. Ah, bigot, ah, you horrible, blah, blah, You know what I mean? And then the kind of anti-Christian kind of yeah. attitude comes along. But it's just funny, I have, I have proof. You can go back to my videos and watch people, their genuine reactions to how I'm kind of presenting myself. So it's, it's interesting, yeah. it's, very, it's funny. <laughs> and, and this is this is the thing that that's um, precisely what I'm talking about is like installed within the symbol of Christ is and like within Jesus himself, the living entity um, who lives in the astral plane is um the, the 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 like these eternal principles like there is these things and it, and you bind your identity to him and it gives you access to these like you, you can just sit down and use him as a very grounded and easy way for you to constantly install this stuff into your life and then what's yes. weird is because this is just correct like because christians got something correct they got plenty wrong but they got this correct christ got this stuff right humility and um, um, sincerity in behavior yes. purposeful speech purposeful loving um, your enemies that was that was a very new uh 100%. that was that was like that was radical at that time because it was like yes you may have heard love your neighbor but i also say love love your enemy as well yeah and you know and this this leads to um health it leads to quite a lot of health in many different ways and this is the Jungian argument 101 it would su suggest that like listen like your goal out here is not to be some ideological mm. um you know oh i got the whole stuff sorted out i've got the perfect ideology and all this type of stuff your goal is that you want to be fucking happy isn't it like that's what you want you want to be happy and you know christ but, but christ you want happiness to be a byproduct of living a good life because I feel like if that's your ultimate goal, being happy, then you're going to be attached to worldliness and feeling good. And then that can kind fair, of lead into, into problems. Fair enough. You, you get I 100% get, get, get what you're saying. I just wanted to put that you live well. nuance you wanna, out there. Wanna, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to live well. Yeah, you want to have a peaceful life, live a good life. Exactly. Yeah. I think, cause, and, but again, we're talking about the meanings of word changing, right? Because people, what happiness or what people perceive what happiness is, is feeling good which is yes, feeling pleasurable. He, so that's what, yeah, yeah. Hedonism, hedonism. exactly, exactly. Hedonism. <laughs> I'm happy because I have Pornhub. You're like, I don't know about that, bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> yes. I don't know, bro. I don't know. Blowing your load six times a I'm day. I'm pretty like, happy oh, when I inject heroin. Oh, ooh, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. happy. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a nice tingling um, feeling. <laughs> But but that's sort of it. Is that you want you want to live well? You want to live in a life of dignity, and you want to live a life of, that might 100%. give you flashes of happiness as well. And not just and, be um, yourself for your community, and that's very important. Not having that selfish. As long as long as I'm happy, you hear that term. As long as you're happy, but what, yeah, in yeah. contrast to what you know. Yeah. Like, well, and that's that's yeah. Like you're you're wired to the people around you, and like there's as Jesus himself said, you know, there's no greater sacrifice than a man who lays his life down for his friends. Like there is that oh, type yeah. of vibe as well. And I think um, all of this stuff is really, really important because what you're basically coming in contact with is the kind of questions of, all right, 
um how do i go towards these like this type of life how do i live well that's really the big question and of course jung would say one of the most direct access points for you that comes from your tradition mm -hmm. is the symbol of christ and the problem with this is that if you want to go against that you want to break away from that um you're going to have a reactionary identity by default like you know marxism um satanism and yes. nietzscheanism um fucking atheism liberalism yes. none of these things i'm afraid to say offer you a firm clear well-tested identity of positivity like christianity does like christ is the symbol of this character like you be like christ and you'll live well and lots of virtues will come with it and um, liberalism doesn't have this nietzsche doesn't have this nietzsche maybe has like the no. flicker of the ubermensch there and you can start to think to yourself what might that mean but it's still young it's still fresh did, did nietzsche did nietzsche coin nihilism um, we'll talk about that in a sec, if you wish. Okay, okay. So I'm, I'm getting, getting ahead of myself here. We'll, we'll finish off with uh, nihilism, because uh, actually we just apparently we got an announcement that we're going into lockdown 11:59 p.m. today. So I got to what? And it's late, so I got to uh, enjoy my last few hours of freedom. <laughs> Friends are coming over oh and stuff. God. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. But I don't... How, how long is how long is the lockdown on for? Uh, well, they say five days, but it's always longer. Every time they say just a week. Oh, actually two weeks. Oh, actually three weeks. So who knows? Who knows? Jesus, man. Ro rolling lockdowns, man. Fucking hell. I know. It's going to be know. the it's gonna be the buzz now for the rest of the, the, rest of the human, humanity's <laughs> history. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, you have that assertive identity, that positive identity, that experience of like, all right, um, uh, yeah, Christ offers you a very clear picture of someone you can be. And who do you have in Marxism? You have the comrade. Who do you have in liberalism? Mm. You have the, you know, you have the snotty... Um, cappuccino drinking uh, uh, <laughs> the, uh the hipster uh, freaking <laughs> the yeah, hipster yeah. the hipster you know <laughs> the hipster, who do you have yeah. an atheist who do you have an atheism a guy with his arguments that are all straight the guy with the arguments right. like that type well, of well, stuff. and it's funny with atheism because it's like they don't even have a position their whole yes. position is like a negation they're just trying to tear down your building instead and then it's like well what do you believe well actually i don't believe anything but i just want to destroy and prove that your ideology is wrong but it's like, but what are you gonna, what are you gonna replace it with, dude? Like, at least have some sort of a solution, you know? That's just such an important thing to see because this is really what I'm talking about, you know. And as I said, yeah. like I, like we can talk about Nietzsche. Anybody listening, and um, like Tom, Tom, you know, like is able to sit here and talk to me. We can talk about Christianity. He'll listen to me talk about the exact opposite and go for the Nietzscheism side of things. I'm not trying to like you know shill an ideology here. I'm just trying to point out the obvious facts. And Jung knows this stuff too. And All of his atheism atheism is a negation it doesn't offer you an affirmative positive vision of an identity the way that you can live well whereas nope. christianity does no matter what you the problems you have with it it does give you that and it's very clear and firm islam gives you that they give you muhammad that's very clear and firm judaism sort of doesn't give you that that's actually one of judaism's sort of moanings is that they're right. waiting for a mashiach well, well i feel like christians are the real jews anyway because they kind of <laughs> follow the story i know that's very controversial to share, to, to say but yes. Well, Come on, man! No, Jesus is all over the Old Testament. But anyway, we're not gonna... <laughs> well, 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 we'll, we'll digress. We'll talk about the, the kind of comparative <laughs> religions later. Um, but Buddhism gives you that. Buddhism gives you yeah, uh, yeah. Buddha. And for example, a lot of people who break from Christianity end up becoming Buddhists because mm -hmm. a, Buddhism is the only thing that we really are able to tolerate. Because we can't be Muslims. No one wants to be a Muslim because it's it's an intolerant Abrahamic religion. So they all go to Buddhism and they're like, oh, I want to be right. like Buddha and all this type of stuff. Um, but atheism doesn't have this. As I said, Marxism yep. doesn't have this. Like, Buddhism, Marxism... Buddhism was my first kind of 
Eastern spirituality gateway. That's what I would have yeah. identified as. So I, I did the silent meditation retreats, Thailand, meditating every single day, the the learning about the, the Four Noble Truths. Oh, dude, I went was balls deep. When, when I go into something, I go balls deep. I go 100%, yeah. see if it works. But, <laughs> balls deep. I would, but I would say that where Buddhism reached its limit for me personally was when I went into existentialism and it just made it worse because you just fall I, further into the abyss. But that's a, a different, you know... That's a yeah, the Nietzsche, Nietzsche called Buddhism a, a nihilist religion. Actually, it's a, it is. A, it's yeah. practical nihilism or spiritual nihilism, and but it has its and, uses. Um, like I'm not just knocking on it. I'm just pointing out the limits for for, for me personally. It just it reached and, like a point where I was like, it's, it's not helping me anymore. And and um, specifically, like the thing I would be saying, of course, is that idea of. Um, the affirmative identity the clear symbol that it can offer you to to bring you towards living well and so for example um buddha would do that for you christ would do that for you there's like you know the marxian comrade doesn't really do that the nietzschean ubermensch it's not quite ready yet it's not quite there although that's forming it maybe it will become something or the new internet atheists type yeah and the the internet the the redditor you know yeah 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 exactly (laughs) the the, the critical rationalist the critical (laughs) rationalist like that's not you can't build a society on a bunch of people who are running around being critical i went to oxford university and i find out that religion is a bunch of poppycock you believe in a sky daddy how preposterous Yes. Yeah, and and this is this is it, and the, like that's not <laughs> that that just doesn't help. It just doesn't it doesn't show us no. anything. It doesn't show us how to struggle with the ways of life. This is why Jordan Peterson did it so well. But a good I'm thing, saying, I, I just want to say one positive thing about atheism instead of just crapping on it completely is that it definitely forced the Christians or the theists in general to step up their game and be more critical and able to argue better and understand their own religion. You know what I mean? Yes, one hundred percent. Like you know. Not knocking, C- not C.S. Lewis, he was he was an atheist for twenty years. A lot, dude. Some of the most powerful Christians are the ones who've been atheists for so long. You know, the yes, skeptics. 100%. Yeah. Yes, hundred percent. You get you get that a lot actually. You get the, yeah, you get the 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 reformed people who've explored the hell and the reactions yeah. and the adversary, and then they come back yes. to this. And I guess not even making a comment about the movements in general, but just looking at this very big first principle that Jung would talk about that affirmative identity is literally everything like if it does if something doesn't offer you this what 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 are you doing like wh- how is it going to help you otherwise yes. it's just going to offer you a sort of miasma of conceptual abstractions but it's not going to give you this firm way that you can conduct yourself forward for example with marxism a philosophy that did politically take over and create something and offered people a very low resolution image of a messiah which was the comrade the 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 persona of equality but it just didn't work long term the russians puked it out their immune system said no they said no it's not it's not deep enough it's not real it doesn't speak to my struggles it doesn't speak to Mm. who i am enough and so they went through getting butchered by like you know they, they got destroyed by their tyrannical bolshevik government and then um they got like a bureaucracy marred in on top of them and a management state put together that humiliated them and put them down and made them feel terrible and eventually their immune system just said fuck this this isn't real and mm. 70 years later the whole thing just implodes because it's bullshit it doesn't offer people a firm identity and then of course on top of that the whole ideology itself just had its weaknesses and and all these type of things and and this is the sort of question you, you should always be auditing what you're looking at with these type of things like how does this stuff lead you towards something right. firm and so what's you, the end game with, right yeah. yeah and 
and Jung would say from a position of, of sort of um, and like a very conservative position is that, listen, whatever's happening in the 20th century or 21st century, like we're going through this religious buffet, this ideological buffet, but you want to audit all of the things that you put at your feet for this specific thing, because it's not it, like most people are going to fuck themselves up if they try to choose some type of niche religion. And um, yes, as a reaction, the like abyss. you're, you're if you want to live well, if you want to live well, you might be better off sitting down and just going for a Christ if you're Western. And maybe you can try Buddhism if you want, but understand that it's not really you. Like that's something from the East. Right. You can try Islam if you want, because it does have a Messiah, but it's not really you either. And you've got to kind of sit yes. down and say, well, what am I? And what's that sort of thing then going from there? Ma Muhammad wouldn't be a good example to strive towards. You know what I mean? Because he wasn't um, like a like, perfect being. Well, you could you could argue like I, I think Muhammad has many many virtues that Christianity like like this is where you know I'll, I'll say some Ooh, things. oh shit all right <laughs> yeah go on because because you know um, Islam Islam speaks to male instincts very strongly like there there's yes. a yes there, like or, <laughs> Christianity was in many senses a, a more feminine religion and it's seen that way even by Islam um it was like many do, do you the, think that's the case because because even I look at Christianity like a very masculine kind of spirituality and i feel like that's part of the reason why it gets so attacked i feel like that that the destruction of the family the nuclear family that masculinity yes. that authority rules i, I don't th absolute I, I don't morality. think that I, I don't think that it's like um shall i say oh like a uh, completely feminine without right. any masculine features right i would say it more like um it, it definitely leads towards feminine like for example like think about it in the simplest terms possible like love it's, and forgiveness uh, is that what you're talking about like these kind of virtues a beautiful young guy who's got a great perfect heart gets mm. unjustly he's like think of it it's like the religion for a mother whose son was killed by war or killed by the society mm. or killed unjustly it's a religion of pity it's a religion of sorrow it's a religion of forgiveness and and sadness and tragedy um, and mm. social injustice and and disempowerment like the hero dies in in in, in uh, christianity and yes. and it causes like the hero dies and it causes the the people to turn around and say no more we're going to stand up right. in a social justice movement and fight against this corrupt system and this very much suits feminine instincts because the sort of story awesome awesome and um, so basically as you know the society falls apart and christianity is like the the sort of social justice movement to change it whereas you could look at the the islam and what you have in islam is you have a a man 40 years old so he's an older guy first of all he's a successful exactly. businessman and he doesn't like the societies around and he becomes this great conquering organizer he goes around and he organizes all the local tribes and he gets them sorted out in an army and they fight these one-on-one -on -one battles and muhammad wins many of them muhammad organizes an army and then goes out and fights and fighting is no fucking joke man like to actually run an army and oh, yeah. fight that's a big fucking deal he goes out and he fights he conquers he succeeds he builds up uh, an army and wins and then he goes and he conquers large amounts of territory and then he puts all this this organ this political organization together and um, dies himself and then after that his army's momentum continues and they just fucking conquer they almost conquered the entire middle east right immediately after it, isn't that how the crusade started it was like a reaction against islam taking over and like uh, from what i heard i don't know because i'm sure there's different ways of looking at this but from the source that i read it said that they were basically attacking and pillaging for like 400 years before the catholics were like all right <laughs> we're going to do something about this, you know, it took them 400 yeah, well, years to to actually react and like, you know, because obviously well, um, in Christianity violence is, is a sin. You're not supposed to murder people. 
love your enemies. Exactly. So, so, so it's like a bind, but it's like, yeah, but they, they're killing us. You know what I mean? What are we yes, supposed yes. to do? Yeah. This is, this was one of Christianity's problems, but more than anything, like the Catholic church was after collapsing at this point. So it, it had no power. Like right. Was, and that, that was with the schism, right? Between orthodoxy and Catholicism, so you, I think during the, the third or fourth crusade, as far as, far as um, Aware? You you had yeah the Western Roman Empire was a mess at that point and yes, um, yes. and Islam Islam ascended and Islam first of all took over the the Sassanids who were um, ancient Persians uh, th these are very interesting people by the way but Islam just like the, the story of Islam conquering these this is why Islam is actually such a badass religion in many ways because and um, for example they would confront this massive ancient empire the Sassanid Empire the Persians and the Persians for example were Xerxes in three hundred like these are the same guys. And um, the Sassanids and the Muslims would meet each other. And the Muslims were basically like uh, a load of, uh, you know, they would have been, how would I give you an image properly? Like they lived in the desert, you know, they're des desert warriors. They lived in tents. They've, they're nomads. They would have been in like the first guys traveling around the Australian outback or the American cowboys, like that type of character. Yeah, right. And they show up and they're fighting against the Xerxes, massive, super organized civilization. And then um, many of these battles went down to one-on-one -on -one battles. So it would be like our best fighter versus your best fighter. Oh, and whoever wins, wins. Like a samurai Muslims, fight, almost. Like a samurai yeah, fight. Yeah. And the Muslims won almost every single one of those. Like you read through the history yeah. and it's like, and then the, the Muslims... Uh, general fought against the other general and you're like oh no the poor Sassanids here we go again and the so they were the beasts Muslims, you know that, that, yeah, they were pretty, so, so that they, they, they embodied that 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 warrior spirit you know 100% 100% they embodied that champion and think about it like Islam is like a a, a, a religion for men it's like a very very geared towards male instincts. It is, things. it and, is. You, multiple wives. I mean, hey man, that sounds, you know, it's appealing. Exactly. It's, 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 so, <laughs> it's so much shocking. Sex slaves you know? and all that kind of stuff. Was, oh, yeah, it's yeah. so much shocking. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's like a very purified expression of that. And like, it has its downsides, of course. And it, it yes. lacks the feminine no, it's cool. culture. Thank you for it. balancing my perspective on this. Cause I, I was going too, a little bit too tough. <laughs> on that. No, it's, 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 it's good fair to enough, look but... at the, you know, at least the, the virtue side of it. And you know, one and, of my best friends is, is Muslims, man. I like some of the, the nicest people I've ever met. It's just more, cause I don't make it about people. It's more about the ideology. Like, does this make coherent yes, yes, yes. sense, you know, but. Mm. It's like different strokes for different folks. Cause you yeah. can choose Muhammad as the way forward. And he will give you, like, he won't give you what Christ gives you, but he'll give you a vision of, uh, I should be, uh, you know, patriarch of the household. I should be, uh, I should be like, you know, there's warrior instincts in it. There's a um, very, very harsh intolerance in right. it. Like it's extremely yeah, yeah. intolerant. Like if you don't and agree with it, if you're not, if you're not a believer, you, you're dead get out of here yeah, yeah yeah and and you know there's upsides and downsides to stuff like that that means that it's yes. not necessarily open to innovation the way that uh the christian world is but also it's not open to um <clears throat> attack the way the christian world is like the christian yeah, world is very vulnerable true. for you know like for example christianity permits free thinking liberalism and then liberalism evolves into this horrible reactionary thing that tries to destroy christianity the christianity's <laughs> the looseness because it's, like, it's, like, was... it's like the spoiled kid being like fuck you dad it's like dude i, I gave you everything <laughs> exactly exactly yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly whereas if that's if that dad was muslim he'd basically like the, the kid would be like oh i want to try explore this interesting idea like shut the fuck up and just stay on track you know stay yeah. on track and control yourself and discipline and all this it's yes. intolerance you know and yes. there's there's power to that there's 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 downsides, of course, but there's power to that. Yeah, so yeah. Islam, like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I'm it presents many of those things. Did, and then, of you... course, the... oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I just wanted well, uh... to finish, finish your thought, and then we'll finish off with uh, Nietzsche. 
Nietzsche. Maybe we'll just touch on the nihilism because I'm sure we could make like a two-hour podcast purely on on nihilism. And you know, of course, you're you're always welcome back on the podcast. But I always enjoy this. I would actually love to do that. I'd love to do that. That'd be great. But I guess I can I can dive into Nietzsche. And and I'm going to go on lockdown, so I'll be free as a bird again. (laughs) To to give you a clear a clear sort of overview, so I'm sort of suggesting that messianic figure at the center of these ideologies really gives you a way to look at living well. You can take all sorts of different flavors. Christ in the West is a good option, and when you see people embrace him, they they tend to do quite well, especially if they do it in a in a conscious way they really right. understand that they're properly and it's, like yeah, not properly. not not, not judge even then like don't you know don't judge others only god can judge so as soon as you're judging and then you have like this self-righteousness you're already falling away from how christ would have done it you know what i mean 100 percent. and then for example if you want to choose buddhism like it will give you many virtues such as a temperance it will give you a rational yes. detachment it's good psychology to... kind of training, you know, like to train your brain and to, to focus and all this kind of stuff. Oh, dude, I, I, got, I got a lot of beautiful, amazing things from Buddhism and the amazing people. I get it. But and, there's also a, that, but, but the point, but uh, what I see or my, my, it's not even with Buddhism, it's the kind of white new age hippie view and romanticization of Buddhism. You know what I mean? Like they've done some dark shit too, man. There's this movie, uh, Martin Scorsese movie called Silence and it talks about the the Japanese Buddhists killing and crucifying Christians and basically yep. making, forcing them to stamp on Jesus. And it was, it was horrible. You know what I mean? So it's like, we, we've all done our fish. We have, bl- we all have blood on our hands is the point I'm trying to make. Well, absolutely. I, I, like Buddhism is not an exclusively nonviolent in, uh, despite the way it's sold. Like it's a very specific religion. It's saying that samsara is essentially the, the world. Samsara is evil, is hell. Like yes. reality is hell. And, Seems um, like Gnosticism, like there's some parallels there that matter very, is very close. evil, right? Yeah, very, very close. Well, I guess uh, this will give us a good kind of springboard into Nietzsche because, all right, the image of Buddha is that reality is it's just fucked. It's just broken. And the yes. goal, and think about this. So what, what Muhammad basically says to you, what Jesus says to you is that um, we need to create the kingdom of heaven. And the way you do that is through me. And so you, you give your heart over to me and I will turn you into a virtuous person. And if everybody in this society gives their heart over to Jesus and identifies as Christ, Christian, um, we all personify these virtues and our society will move from being a horrible, barbaric society to a more beautiful society, right. essentially the kingdom. The body of, of Christ, right? That's, that's what it is. Like where, where he's exactly. bride, he's the head and we're the body, you know, kind of exactly. living out exactly. his virtues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Muhammad, very, very similar, saying that, um, all right, through my warrior instincts, if you follow me and sacrifice yourself for me and sacrifice yourself for Islam, and sacrifice yourself for Allah, or we will conquer, reshape the world and bring Allah into the world and change this um, decrepit, sinful, atheist or pagan world and redeem yes. it into something beautiful, the kingdom of heaven again, Allah's kingdom, though. So a slightly different one. Right, right. And then different with, version, with yeah. the Buddhists. The Buddhists, the same, the same offer is sort of implicitly there. You're Nirvana. There and it's Nirvana. Yeah. Now, this is slightly different, though, because basically it, Buddha, Buddha says the entire world is hell. There's no point building a kingdom here. There's no point doing anything here. Yes. Because this is, it's samsara. It's hell. It's a right. shit show. It's Everything's a transient. Right? Everything dies, right? As soon as you attach yourself to anything of, the, of this world, you're going to suffer. Yes. Right? That's why life is suffering. That's the first noble truth. And, and you so try to you seize need... that, and it's the abandonment of the personality, though. That's that's where it can go. Like you said, uh, you know, it's like it's nihilism in a sense because you're oh. abandoning your your personality, the self. It's all an illusion. More, more than... 
more than anything, you're abandoning the goal. Like there's no kingdom. Like the, right. in Christianity, there is an offer of a kingdom. In Islam, there is an offer of a kingdom, a yes. better future. Yes. All right. And that, that motivates you because that's not nihilistic. That's the opposite of no. nihilistic. And practical. It's great because it's, it's kind of reconciles the, the abstract heavenly realms, but also the, the down to earth practical realities. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a reconciliation 100%. of these of heaven and earth. 100%, 100%. Now, the, the thing with Buddhism is that it says there is no kingdom. There is no salvation. There is none of this stuff. The only thing that you can do is you can somehow learn to cessate the fire that burns through you that drives you towards contributing towards samsara. Like a large part of you is made up of energy and the forces of the instincts that create samsara, that create hell. Like you are the demon in this world. Yes. The, the, you're the torturing soul. You're evil in that type of sense. And if you want to fix the world, if you want to make the world a better place, you need to detach, cessate, liberate, and let yourself let go of the whole thing and kind of step outside of it. Now, this does amazing things for people because there is wisdom to that. There is wisdom to liberating yourself from the, the unconscious forces of the instincts, but it, it ultimately doesn't give you a direction, doesn't give you a future, doesn't give you a purpose. Yes. Now, Nietzsche, <clears throat> Schopenhauer read a lot of Buddhism and turned this basically into a German version of this, which Schopenhauer's philosophy, where he said that the world is will and representation. The world is driven by this energy and this will. And the, the only thing that you can do, the only moral thing that you can do is kill that will inside yourself. Now, Schopenhauer suggests that what you should do is take that will and burn it out making art. Wagner reads this and creates the Wagnerian music that becomes really, really famous. And Nietzsche, of course, was friends with Wagner. And Nietzsche reads a lot of Schopenhauer. And Nietzsche picks up on this. And Nietzsche reads through this and basically is reading this thing saying that you've got this energy inside of you and you should just burn it out and let it be destroyed. And there is no point to anything else. The, the only thing you can do is just get, burn out that stuff you have in the most noble way possible. And Nietzsche sees this as nihilistic. He sees this as a very serious problem. So he sees a couple of things going on. First of all, Schopenhauer is very, very famous. Much of the upper class read Schopenhauer and saw him as like a actually quite accurate way of seeing the world. A lot of them stopped being Christian at this point. And so he saw this problem where the there was the breakdown of the belief in the Christian world. Like people didn't, the kingdom of heaven that Christ promised never came. And Christ never came again. Mm, and yeah. a lot of people started to look at each other and be like, this is bullshit, guys. Like, this, this isn't working. Like, all right, it's a nice, it's a cool idea. And it gives us an identity and it keeps the plebs in order. But it's not, it's not leading to the future. Mm. And, and I, I don't think it's going to work. And so a lot of them started to look for alternate um, perspectives. And they come across things like Buddhism or Schopenhauer, true Buddhism, and all sorts of things. Like, there was all sorts of stuff going on. This is yes. where Alistair Crowley, Alistair Crowley was active yeah. at this time as well. He Taoism was doing... as well, that, that's a pretty, I feel like it's a more, a fuller expression of that Eastern spirituality. I feel like they, they get closer to that. 100%, but, yeah, yeah. That, that's a pretty cool religion. Um, and then, basically, um, Nietzsche sits down with all this stuff, and he sees that because Christianity failed, it no longer offers people a, a, a vision of a future that is that is purposeful because people just don't take it serious. Like the kingdom, yes. it's been two thousand years. The kingdom of God never came. Like I'm, I'm sorry. Like it's it's basically like I'm sorry, but it, it would have had. Well, the, so so with Islam, you know, the in order for people to remain motivated to trust Muhammad, there has to be this feeling that Allah is conquering and moving forward yes. and creating a beautiful kingdom. And the same with Christ, like in order for people to take Christ seriously, they have to feel that like Christianity is creating civilization that's world, like world renowned and good and powerful. And yes. after 2000 years, it just doesn't hit the same way because people are sort of like, 
I don't know, guys, like, is this really, this isn't innovating this. We're not progressing. Like Christianity isn't fixing anything anymore. It's stale. It's old, all these type of things. And so a lot of the European upper class are feeling this. And there's all this stuff like, well, like this fucking God guy, like if he, yeah. like what's going on with him? And so Nietzsche noticed that God is not taken serious anymore. God is dead. God um, is and dead, so yes. the power of the symbol of Christ begins to lose its sort of energy, its charge. It starts to drop in power. It, it yes. doesn't, people don't take it as serious anymore. They don't, which, take which was always, term. which was, it's interesting because all of this is prophesized in Revelation yeah. anyway. Yeah, so it's, it's like, it's, it's actually all part of the story. It's supposed to happen. It's supposed to fall away. And I feel like that's why it's coming back, you know, with these yeah, hard times, yeah. people are kind of finding Christ again. And it's happening. Yeah, you know, you know, you know, maybe I'm not going to say anything about that, but maybe that's a, that's an interesting thing to explore. Nonetheless, where Nietzsche was at this point is he was looking at this. He was seeing then that what people are going to do to replace Christianity is they're going to take on a European Buddhism, basically Schopenhauer, which is mm. a sort of belief that the world is hell and evil and there's no real escape. And the only thing you can really do is you can take the energies that nature has plugged inside of you and manifest them as some type of beautiful decadent art which is basically like the finale to the the world and western civilization and so he saw that was that was ascending very strongly a european buddhism or what he called the ascent of nihilism now his big project is he's sitting down and looking at this he's basically seeing that european buddhism and that nihilism doesn't offer us a firm vision of the future doesn't offer us a kingdom it doesn't offer us offer us a messiah it offers none of that stuff and so he sits down with this and he says the problem we have is that we're not going to take christianity seriously we can't it's it's psychologically dead to us right and that's that's a real good critique and problem and the the replacement we're going to put in is sterile and nihilistic itself it's european buddhism and it doesn't offer us a clear vision of messiah so what we need to do or what i am going to do someone has to do and i guess no one's going to do it's why we'll do it what i have to do is we have to sit down and say to ourselves what could we create that would be capable of psychologically replacing this? What would have enough charge? And his vision was that the thing that would drive us is a vision of a new man. And a new man would be a man based on evolution, basically, that would be higher than what we are. Something to give us a vision of something positive with virtue, with strong vitality, strong character, essentially like a sort of bodybuilder combined with a right, CEO or something like that. Yes. And he we got to aim for something. You and so he starts to hierarchy, meaning. Yeah, yeah. 100%, exactly <laughs> that thing, exactly that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he he starts to concept this as like, all right, we need a vision of something that's higher than mankind right now. And this would be an overman, a superman, an ubermensch, a better version of ourselves. Right. And think about it, think about it like in the self-help context. Like I imagine myself, I want to be my better version of myself. Deep down, there's a better version of myself I want to be. And this is precisely what Nietzsche was talking about that take that whole instinct inside the guy who listens to elliot holtz or me or whoever and wants to become a better version of themselves through working out through learning i'm interviewing elliot next uh next week oh amazing yeah amazing amazing amazing. (laughs) um exactly and exactly and he has that like elliot's a great example someone who wants to improve in all these different ways and um leading you towards a better version of yourself and then nietzsche would sit down explicitly and say to you okay right how if we did that on a societal scale and we got an image of that self-development guy that that improver if you know what i mean that would be the ubermensch like the end result if that all jesus of us, one that... 
Uh, yeah, 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 Jesus, uh-huh. that, that meme. Je- Jesus, uh, Jesus yeah. on the cross with the muscles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus returns and he's fucking jacked and on steroids. He's breaking the cross off. He's like, "Fuck yeah. you, Romans." Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But but that's that's it. Like that's yeah, yeah. the sort of vision. You know, I don't want to say that like Dubermensch is a gym bro, but like it's a sort of part of it. It's like vital, healthy, intelligent, strong, and VR, competent, yeah. capable. All these type of things. And that's why like, physical health is so important, man. You know what I mean? That that's that's the problem with uh, narcissism, where I kind of find the problem with is that it's that kind of detachment of your physical needs but then this physical reality it's it's all it's important man you know what i mean like if you once you deny it then you abandon logic you abandon your physical health it's important to you know lift some weight eat healthy go out for walks like this is all physical activities but it's all tied into your spiritual health and this is why stuff like like Nietzsche would be so adamant about including that in a new vision, because, for example, things like Muhammad and Christianity, these people didn't need advice on physical health because, you know, they, like Mohammedans lived in the desert. Christians yes. were like, you know, barbarian Europeans running around forests. They didn't need an exercise regime. But we live in an era now where there's no environmental pressure there's no jungle there's no desert we live in fucking cities so we need to start like forming a religion of or like a worldview or whatever i don't want like an ideology whatever you want to call it where the centerpiece is actually pushing us towards and self-imposed pressure self-imposed environmental stress that causes us to evolve because um we can't have something that lets us away with that anymore because it's not going to work because then we'll all degrade and become decrepit golems and there won't be a beautiful world anymore we, we will fail because there, we we've removed this type of stress and his proposition then his ubermensch proposition is anti-nihilistic by definition it's a suggestion that if we get this vision this thing it's it's a good answer to the very complex problem of god is dead christ is no longer psychologically charged the replacement is european buddhism schopenhauerian nihilism and we don't want that we don't we're not pessimists we're not nihilists we want to think about a positive future and a creative assertive vital future hence i give you the ubermensch he is that future he is that way of seeing things and it is like a little bit larpy and i understand it but it's like actually not in its comprehensive take, it's a fucking good perspective, man. It's a really interesting. Like for that man, I'll, I'll check it out. That, yeah, well, I'll keep in touch, and you, you know, give us the recommendation of what book. Sweet. Well, if you from. want, like, we could do a big long talk about nihilism and Nietzsche because yes, I think- yes, because not because I want to get into nihilism, but I I got to go, and this is like, man, we I feel like we're just dipping our toe into these waters, you know, and like nihilism, relativism. Because even God is dead is, is mathematically it's the same as saying I am God, right? If there is no God, yeah. then we're all gods. And, that's precisely what he says. And same, same, and if same with all truth is relative, but even that has a logical fallacy because if all truth is relative, is that true? Because you're making an absolute tr- claim about truth being relative. You know what I mean? Yes, one hundred percent. Even to say there is no truth again, you're saying is that true? Yes, well then, it, you know what I mean? Like, it's a abandonment of logic, man. Like, it really, and it goes I, deep. And nihilism I'd has, look, like, different... Sta- this book that I just told you about, Father Sarah from Rose, it goes into the four stages of dialectic nihilism. Dude, you're going to absolutely love it. I know that this is right up your alley. And maybe, uh, maybe you can even get into it a little bit and we can discuss it next time. Awesome. And- let's, let's do it, man. Let's do it. That, that would be a really, really cool thing to go into is, like, the Nietzschean question because... Yes. Um, 
it's it's something that people don't talk about well because they don't understand it but uh precisely what i'm talking about here is a great foundation like if you look at the religions exactly. and look yes. at them the messiah they offer and think through what it is and take out the ideology and don't react emotionally to it and just look at what it is it shows you a very very uh, beautiful and interesting picture of human history comparatively and then you start to understand exactly what nietzsche was doing and then once you start to jump into this like it's a very very cool question but i know you got to go so maybe we could call it a wrap at that 100 this this it's a good prequel you know so i'm sure people <laughs> listening are like no no keep going we will we will very soon uh maybe maybe next week i don't know if when, whenever you're free sure man yeah i've uh i've got my schedule pretty well sorted out now so i, I could do next week if you want beautiful man yeah we'll, we'll keep in touch and I'll, i want to learn about this uh what's his name the german guy um schopenhauer schopenhauer nietzsche Okay, yeah. So Nietzsche, I'm familiar with. Schopenhauer, I haven't, I haven't delved into. So I'm looking forward. Schopenhauer to it. is bleak, bro. Schopenhauer is a yeah. pessimist, and okay. he's literally, he's like, uh, he's, he's one of the best writers there was ever was. He's so good at articulating his thoughts, which fucking bleak, bro. Yeah, that's fine, bleak. dude. I, it's fine. I can handle it. He's, he's like the black metal. <laughs> he's like the black metal of philosophy. Right. Oh, interesting. All right, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm excited to continue talking about this thank you brother always a pleasure we had we no, went man, through some very you. interesting routes today so yeah i'll just say thank you thank you very much man for for uh, having me on it's a, it's a pleasure as always and i look forward to it we'll, we'll uh, sink our teeth into old nasty niche 100 percent. all right guys so i'll leave the links to uber boy's channel below the description and uh right. yeah hope you enjoyed this and yeah we'll catch you catch you guys next time talk to you later people bye-bye <laughs> all right brother i'm gonna go now uh always a pleasure Really enjoyed this Beautiful. conversation, man. A lot to to mull over in my mind, so it's good. It's Beautiful. Good let's let's definitely have a chat about that stuff. That'll be awesome. And uh, man, yeah, good luck with the fucking lockdown. Holy fuck. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it is what it is, uh, I guess. So. <laughs> all right, man. I'll talk to you later, man. Yeah, man. Enjoy your day. Peace. Bye, 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 bye. Much love.